Back in the studio. So excited, Ben. Yeah, it's a nice night, too. And welcome back, everyone. It is episode 75 of Thirst and Goal for about 10 weeks there. Me and Ben were separated by about four or five miles. I was sitting in my garage and he was here underneath the canopy where I am tonight. Finally, we're recording once again. We're socially distancing ourselves, but we're in the same area. I can finally see Ben's facial expressions. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to finally be back and I can hear my voice normally through <laughs> my headphones, Ben. I mean, I hated playing uh, with the settings on GarageBand to try to hear myself, but this sounds so much better. Yeah, every it was like Groundhog Day every week. Like, oh, let me try this setting. Oh, let me try this. Let me try this setting. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Fran, as Franny said, we are back together once again. Finally, uh, we can see each other and how we react to things in real time. So hopefully that uh, you know, thank you all so much for being patient with us as we work through. Uh, the coronavirus pandemic and our social distancing from five or six miles away or whatever, or four or five, six miles away. Uh, Franny, how was your week this week? It was a good week, Ben. It, it was good. You know, it actually flew by pretty quickly. Monday through Friday seemed like uh, it was a breeze. A breeze? It was a breeze. It just went by. Yeah, this was a long week for me for some strange reason. Uh, you know, just felt like a really long week, but it is, it feels much like I, like I said, like Groundhog Day. Uh, just feels like one, long day every day you know checking work yeah. checking work emails from morning until the night because what else is there really to do i mean you're literally in the same place all the time Whereas all the time i go to work and i come back home so i i, I kind of have this sort of routine whereas your routine is just basically the same place all day for hours on end yeah i mean and eventually we'll have to go Back to the office, at least part time. Uh, but I hope it's, uh, you know, sooner rather than later. Uh, it is, you know, very frustrating to be home. I'm sure a lot of you can share that sentiment. Very frustrating to be home all the time with the same <laughs> as much as you love your, your partner, your spouse, your children, uh, you being with them for 24 hours a day, uh, and the same in neighbors for 24 hours a day, <laughs> uh, seeing everything that everyone around your neighborhood does every day eventually gets on your nerves. Um, but yeah, so hopefully, you know, things will get back to a little bit more of a sense of, of normalcy after what is yeah, seems a like pretty crazy week this week out there in the world. It does seem like they've been loosening more of the restrictions now. Uh, ben, I'm not sure how soon you're going to go out and get a haircut, but it seems like barbershops are opening up once again. I actually gave myself a haircut today, uh, so that's why it looks nice and spiffy, Ben. Um, Very nice. Yeah, yeah right? I mean, I might, I, might, I might have to give you a haircut. Yeah, I'm, actually, think, I'm actually getting pretty good at this now. Yeah, I, I think, think. I, I think I may have you give me the haircut. Yeah. <laughs> I could save myself $50 a month. Uh, I'm expecting a tip, though. Yeah, I'm not uh, cheap. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> Bottle of Glenlivet, 12 Uh <laughs> Every time I get a haircut, it, uh, I mean, I, I wanted to I'll give, give you it one more. every day, <laughs> every day. I want to do one more, one more attempt and see if I can get it a little bit better on the next attempt. But if not, you are, you are my barber because, you know, I think a lot of barber shops are going to see their revenues drop now that people figured out, you know, Hey, if you have short hair, you can probably do yeah. this yourself. I mean, I'll probably do it by myself every once in a while. You know, but uh, I definitely want to go back and 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 have a professional 
do my hair. Uh, you know, my fade is not as good as what they do. I never go as short as they do because I'm still a chicken. You know, I, if I go too short, I'm afraid that I just might have like one of those bowl cuts. So I kind of go, you know, short, but not as short as they usually do. Oh, that's true. I wasn't afraid. I went, I went, num- I, know, I, I, went, <laughs> I went number one with no problem <laughs> and it didn't come out the way that I wanted it to. I look pretty good. But, uh, yeah, Franny, what are you drinking over there? Uh, tonight, Ben, I am drinking some of the Templeton rye with a little bit of Coke tonight. And what about you? I am continuing to drink the Tangeray and tonic. You know, given the, the pandemic, the quarantine, all of that, I figured take it old school. Go with uh, go with what you know. So I have a little Tangeray tonic and a little rosemary in there. That's what I was going to say, Ben. I, I, I was actually... I actually remembered. I'm surprised I actually remembered. I'm not good at remembering things. But I'm glad that I was uh, able to bring some of that over fresh rosemary. Oh, and I love <laughs> the rosemary in my gin and tonics. Uh, Franny, what are we going to talk about tonight? Tonight, Ben, on the big board, we're going to make a shout out to our new and loyal listeners out there. We're going to have some NFL news as usual. We have our promo from our fellow podcaster or podcasters. Podcaster. Podcasters. We have one promo uh, coming up and we also have our tag team news, our Eagles news, Seahawks news and Steelers news. Ben, you're wearing your Steelers cap tonight and we'll get some news from them. Is there news? You found some news. You you always find news, Ben. And we also have our feel good story. We're also going to talk about Lance, the documentary about Lance Armstrong. It It was good. I mean, it was actually longer than I expected it <laughs> yeah, to be. Yeah, for sure. For uh, sure. And we also have our shot of the week, which is inspired by the summertime, Ben. It's it's getting a little warm out here. It's been warm since the beginning of May, um, but they're uh, sort of watermelon shots. They look uh, they look really nice. You'll find those on Instagram and on Twitter, the pictures. And we also have our brown of the week, our beverage of the week, which is the Glenlivet Caribbean Reserve. And I'm Ooh. so excited, Ben. I, I mean, I've had this thing sitting around. I know. And I have not taken a sip yet. And I've been so eager to take a sip of this stuff. I love all the Glenlivet products. You know me, Ben. And I'm so excited to try some of this. We also have our beer of the week. Ben, what's our beer of the week? The beer is from the Dudes Brewing Company in California. It is their Blood Orange uh, Amber. Sounds good. We haven't had a a fruity type beer on the show in a little while. So I'm eager to try that as well. And then we also have our housekeeping to finish up the show absolutely friendly what's first up on the big board first up on the big board ben is a shout out to our new and loyal listeners oh we have some fireworks going off it's always fireworks season in los angeles uh thank you all so much to our new listeners as well as our loyal listeners that have stuck with us through the pandemic through everything that's been going on in the world in 2020 we truly truly appreciate it since 2008 we have been a show about football fun friends whiskey and beer reviews and since you're listening tonight, please consider heading over to our, web, our website, thirstinggold.buzzproud.com, or search Thirsting Gold Podcast on the web and subscribe, rate, and review our show. A homework assignment for everyone out there listening to the show. Please tell a friend, a relative, a coworker, a stranger that you're six feet away from in the Piggly Wiggly, the ShopRite, the Vons, the Ralphs, wherever it is that you're shopping. Tell them, hey, that Thirsting Gold podcast is a great show. Here's how you can subscribe. Friday, what's next up on the big board? Have you been to the Piggly Wiggly? Oh, yeah. Down yeah, south? I've, for I've, sure. I've, 
I've for sure. I mean, I've heard of the Piggly Wiggly, and it's a cute name and everything. We don't have them out here on the West Coast, though. In Florida, yeah. I mean, I don't, uh, they may have them in other Southern states, but I, I was in the the Wind Dixie yeah, as well that, as the Piggly Wiggly. Yeah, I never been to that. I'm, I'm, I'm eager just to go in there just because of the name. Yeah, it's one of the one of the few things in in the U.S. that's still sort of regional. Uh huh. You know, you have like on the Northeast, you have the Shoprites and the Wegmans and the Stop and Shops out here. You have the Ralphs and the Vons down south. You got the Piggly Wigglies and the Wind Dixies and all, but it, it is sort of interesting. Like everywhere you go, there's a Target, but for some reason, grocery stores are still yeah, they kind of sort of regional. Like Lucky's, Lucky's was yeah, yeah. was Where's like that? a Southern California thing. Well, sort of a California thing. Now it's only in Northern California for some reason. Oh, I don't see them down here anymore. Yeah, it's kind of weird. And we apologize for the fireworks. Yeah, no, there's, it's, there's uh, actually we're coming some large up on. Ones. There's some mortars going off yeah. right now. For a damn, that, yeah, that was a big one. Some big ones right going there. Uh, but yeah, ben, there's another one. Next up on the big board, we it's got our NFL news. NFL news, and I've got the oh, Southern yeah, Comfort yeah. Actually, Lime you know the on shot glasses. You have the, the shot table glasses. right now. Uh, first up, as for some strange reason, this this item on the agenda won't go away. It's sticky like molasses on the agenda. Cowboys are in trouble with Dak on the franchise tag. One of the NFL's longest-running dramas is Dak Prescott's quest for a long-term contract from Big D. Designated with the franchise tag, Prescott's yet to sign his tender to play in 2020 under the tag and obviously is yet to come into terms with to, with Dallas on a long-term contract. While it remains to be seen how it all plays out, a look into the gridiron history provided by NFL research suggests that Prescott playing under the tag doesn't bode well for a long history in Big D. There have been 11 instances in which a quarterback has been designated as a franchise player since 1993 when the tag was introduced. There have been eight quarterbacks, including Prescott, to be tagged. There have been two who have played a season under the tag prior to Prescott. Kirk, motherfucking Cousins, <laughs> and Drew he made a lot of had, money. A tough, had a tough week, Breeze. <laughs> uh, Cousins and Breeze each went on to sign long-term deals with their other, te- other teams. Cousins went on to sign a three-year, $66 million contract with the Vikings in 2018 after consecutive tags from the uh, Redskins. A fourth-round trip uh, draft pick by Washington. Cousins played out his rookie contract before he was tagged and eventually moved on to Minnesota. Breeze was likewise played out his rookie contract before the Chargers placed the tag on him in 2005. Breeze completed uh, competed for the Bolts under the tag and then moved to the Saints by way of a six-year, $60 million contract. It's interesting that... Breeze's time with the Chargers is almost as if it never even happened. I know. I know. Because I can't recollect a single play, a single game uh, where Breeze was with the Chargers. Uh, fourth round choice by the Cowboys in 2016, Prescott earned the first of two Pro Bowl bids as a rookie and has long been one of the best bargains. Ugh. Best bargains at quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, if eight and eight is a bargain, I suppose. Across his first four seasons, Prescott averaged six hundred eighty grand per season, and he's now due thirty one point four million dollars on the twenty twenty tag. A standout and model of durability. I knew you would love this. Prescott has started sixty four consecutive games to begin his career. So playing games, I guess, is the floor here. I'm not sure what the ceiling is. During a tumultuous 2019 campaign for the boys, Prescott had his finest numbers yet with a career-high 4,902 passing yards. But it doesn't look good. If they if he doesn't get a long-term deal signed, looks like this might be Prescott's last year in Dallas. What say you? Yeah, I mean... Like that was a mouthful. Ben. Sorry, yeah. folks. <laughs> no, well said, Ben. I mean, it, like you said, it's, it's, it's a running drama 
uh, in, in Dallas, but it shouldn't even be a drama at all because they did offer him a very generous contract. They offered him a ton of money, and I'm not sure why he's not taking it. I mean, even $31 million is a lot for him, but they offered him, what was it? 35. $35 million, which is, I think that's very fair. That's, Allegedly, that's, that's, uh, the contract was too long for him. It was like way, five years. Yeah, but I mean, that's what you would expect. I mean, for a quarterback, don't you want that sort of thing? Don't you want a long contract? Because in case he does get injured, I mean, you make it a good point. Also, he is durable. He is a durable quarterback. <sighs> something that, something that, and then him and Wentz came in the league at the same time. Wentz has not been able to stay healthy. He has stayed healthy. You know, Wentz has had some success taking the team to the playoffs, not in the playoffs themselves. Um, he's had some really good numbers, but I think the Dallas Cowboys did reach out to him. They made him a, a fair, more than fair contract. And for him not to sign it, I just don't understand why. I mean, yeah. I don't know who's in charge. Is it him? Is it his agent? I have no idea who it is, but he should definitely have taken 35 mil. I mean, he would have been probably close to, you know, $200 million. I mean, yep, at the end of his contract. Probably more, actually. I mean, how much could you possibly want? How much do you possibly think you're worth? Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's worth more than about $125 million over a five-year stretch. Yeah. Uh, because wins, I mean, I think we discussed this last week. I mean, wins to me are what matters. Mm-hmm. Wins and wins in games that are meaningful. Uh, that game last year against the Eagles, I think it was the last week. Was it the last week of the regular season? Uh, not the last or week. The week. I think before? it was the week before. They pit the Giants in the last week. You know, that was the game that the Cowboys had to win mm-hmm. to have a chance to get themselves into the playoffs. Eagles, but likewise, had to win that game as well. Uh, Eagles clearly with the understaffed, undermanned roster against the Cowboys at full strength, and Prescott could not even eke out a win in that game by all accounts with a better defense, better offensive line, better running game, and better receivers. Mm-hmm. So that to me is what matters, not durability. Or with the fact that you are at Marshall's as a bargain when you should be at Neiman Marcus at full price for uh, that price, yes. Yeah, he thinks he's on. He thinks he's on the shelf at now defunct Neiman Marcus when he's really more of like a Banana Republic type of guy. <laughs> he's not on that. I that think it was I don't think they're yeah. they're quite out of it just yet. But Neiman Marcus, they they've filed for bankruptcy, but they're still there. But, but that's I, a whole different story. You know, the malls <laughs> have that center section. You know, with Cartier and Louis Vuitton and that Ferragamo nobody goes to. That nobody goes to. And 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 Dak Prescott thinks he's on the shelf down there but really he's off on one of those corridors with the macy's or the nordstrom's uh or the neiman marcus's that's that's I love macy's uh yeah you <laughs> love macy's but he's he's just not uh, you know to me he hasn't proven that he's got the skills to win games when they matter mm-hmm. and that's ultimately what I mean, you're paying for with a quarterback even garoppolo yeah. got him to the freaking super bowl for crying out loud as great as that defense was mm-hmm. great as the running game was he was part of the reason he didn't elevate the team, but Dak Prescott has not elevated his team no, for th- somebody that should be worth that much money. I mean, if if you're if you think you're worth thirty five between thirty five and forty million dollars, then you're the type of quarterback that's going to elevate your team. You're like Andrew Luck elevating the Colts yep. because they really needed it. When he was out and injured, we saw what the Colts were. When he was back and playing again, we saw what they were. They were, what, 10, 11 games that they won when he came back from yep. injury. Uh, but he's not that type of player. He has a full squad of healthy players, and he cannot take them over the top. Yeah, I mean, that, to me, that I mean, I've talked about it before. That Philly game, to me, tells you everything you need to know about Dak Prescott. And watching even Jimmy G last year, uh, there was still some question about whether San Francisco was the team to beat whether they had the killer instinct that they would that it required to get deep into the playoffs and potentially get to a Super Bowl. They played the Saints. I think it was the Saints in that uh it was a night game, Thursday night game or a Monday night, Sunday night game. The forty eight to forty, whatever it was, forty eight yeah. to forty or the Rams. Was it the Rams? No, it was the Rams. It was uh 
Was it, no, it wasn't. It was the Saints, I think. Which, which game? It was, it was uh, like 48 to 46. Oh, yeah, I think it was, I think it was the Rams, yeah. Maybe it was the Rams. Uh, but either way, there was, I mean, that was the game when Jimmy G had to rise to the occasion and prove we own this division or we own, um, a right to compete at a high level. Or was it the Saints? I think I think it might have been the Saints. <laughs> I think it might have been the Saints. Either way, yeah. But but he was he was playing a you know a team that was also playing at a high level, and that was their opportunity to make a statement. Mm-hmm. And unlike the Super Bowl, unlike some of those playoff games, Garoppolo was a big factor in them winning that game because he wanted to prove the point, prove that he and his team had what it took to compete at a high level and potentially go deep into playoffs. And Prescott, through five years of his career has still yet to show me that he has that level of killer instinct, that level of willing a team to success like a Breeze, a Br- no, Breeze, like a Breeze, a Brady, Rogers. Uh, a Rogers, uh Wilson. Andrew Luck. I mean, I, I, Luck. Still, I still feel terrible that guy, you know, decided to retire early. And and to me, that's what you're paying for in a quarterback. I mean, anyone can find a Kirk Cousins. They're not that hard to find. And he, like you said, too, Ben, I mean, he made a ton of money. Yeah. You know, on a franchise. I mean, if Washington paid him a lot of money, I think he made what sixty million dollars at least off of franchise tags. I mean, you know, Dak Prescott might do the same thing, make thirty one million this year. I mean, if he gets franchised next year, it's gonna be even more yeah. that he's gonna be able to make, which is probably closer to what he wants. Um, I, I think uh, you know they will eventually sign a contract. Uh, you know, I think it's gonna happen. I don't know if it's gonna be forty million that he wants, but I, you know, I still think it's gonna be close to that thirty five million dollar mark. I just think I don't think be- he's, he he deserves it, but. I think the Cowboys are just going to be desperate enough to sign him because, like we always say, QBs don't, don't grow, on, grow trees. on trees. I just think he should be very careful with the Redskins and Ron Rivera as well as some of the coordinators that they brought in in Washington with another year in New York with, with the Clapper at offensive coordinator. And the Clapper who, who, in, in the role that suits <laughs> we'll him. In the we'll role see. that suits him. And with the Eagles coming back as well at full strength for the most part. Yeah, for maybe uh, the first week. It may be, you know, he may not be staring down a $180 million contract at the end of next year. So he's probably gambling a little bit more than he should, given Mm -hmm. the $35 million five or six year deal that he was offered with the Cowboys. Because if they finish in third place in the NFC East next year, which is totally possible, that contract will not be on the table the following year. Franny, you yeah. need to take a shot because you said something. I didn't say anything negative yes, about. You, you doesn't, he's not worth deck. more than $35 million. Well, $35 million is a lot of money. I, I, like, I don't know why said, he wouldn't sign the contract. I've always said he's worth around the same I think price. I said more negative things about him. I think you did. I think you probably deserve a shot. But I've always said that I think he deserves as much as Tannehill got in Tennessee. I think that is a smart contract for them. It's a smart contract. It would be a smart contract for the Cowboys. I mean, he's obviously not going to take it, but I think that's sort of what he's worth. I think that's, you know, kind of his ballpark right now. Yeah, and now. they overpaid Daniel a little bit. Yeah. No, I mean, I, well, he he actually did play very well this year. He did. He did. There's, there's no way to one really... Year. We don't know how he's going to play next year, but this year he actually played pretty well. And, and Prower Drinking Agreement, Ben, our, our drinking game, our ongoing game that we have on the show, if I say anything negative about the Cowboys or any team in my division, if you say anything about negative about any team in your division you take a shot if Sanja says anything negative about a team in her division I don't know if Sanja's gonna be on tonight but uh, eventually if she ever says anything negative then uh, we take a shot but Ben you know I've been drinking the Evan Williams peach away in my garage Uh, tonight we have the uh, Southern Comfort lime on the table and I've been actually eager to try this to see which one is actually worse because this should be a punishment. No, this is worse. And I don't know. You haven't tried that Evan I'm gonna, Williams. I'm going to have to bring over that Evan Williams. I, 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 you know what? I, I, I thought you'd have I a carload tonight. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, I, I didn't go anywhere tonight, but next week. Next week, I'm going to bring some stuff over for the shots and everything. But I'll do you a know, quarter shot. Uh, or a, 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 shot a little bit it. of a shot because you said more negative things, even though it's not part of the agreement. But you know what? Let's take a shot together, Ben. We haven't Doing done this a in a long together, time. together, finally. Mm. That's disgusting. What's the verdict? It's gross. It's sweet, but it's hmm. tangy, but it's not. You know, I expected it to be worse. I expected but, it to maybe be worse. Maybe because I just don't like Southern Comfort anymore. I think if it had more lime in it, it would be worse. I think it has the right amount of lime to not make it disgusting. I think this is actually better than the Evan Williams peach. Oh, yeah. I don't like it. I didn't like the, the Jim Beam peach. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why I took the lime when you gave me my choice between yeah. the peach and the lime that day that why you came you over. Why did you give your choice? Oh, you, you gave me the lime. Uh, <laughs> but you bring up a good point, and I, and I don't know that I made this point before, but this is another, as far as I'm concerned, another... Uh, Mark against Prescott, you bring up the Tannehill contract, and that's a great, great example because he played on a piss-poor team with piss-poor coaching, with piss-poor recruiting, with piss-poor general management down in Miami for a long time. He finally got on a team with a really good coaching staff with people who knew what they were doing in terms of the play calling at the quarterback position in the roster and what they had on the field, and he excelled. Mm -hmm. But for all these years, Prescott has been playing with a team that has the personnel, that has the coaching, especially from the coordinator position, has the running game, has the offensive line, has the receivers, and he still has not been able to perform at a high level deep into the playoffs. Even the fucking... Titans were in the championship game for crying yeah, out loud. Yeah. I mean, and, and he's had an excellent, not just a good offensive line. He's had one of the best, maybe top three the last few years, and he still can't do it. He still can't elevate this team. He has Ezekiel Elliott, one of the better runners in the game, taking pressure off of him. He has Amari Cooper out there. Can't. I mean, he just cannot elevate this team, and that's why, you know, we always say he's just not worth it, but I think eventually he will sign a contract. I don't. I don't think Dallas wants to play around with this any longer. I think, I think before the beginning of the season, but they're not. That, that's the they're, thing. Not, they're not. But they should. I mean, I was. I mean, this is why I went on NFL Twitter uh, yesterday. I, I, I'm loath to do that because the opinions that are out there are just so ridiculous. But there's many of these re- receiver charts that people are putting out there, and you know you have Julio Jones, Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, always at the top tier, and the vast majority of the wide receiver tiers had Amari Cooper at the next level tier below, directly below Julio Jones. I don't know if he's right below, but... And I that mean, just drives me crazy. Because yeah, he's not... That, but, that, I mean, he's yeah. also played better, though. He, he's played better he, the last couple yes, of years. Yes, he has yeah. played better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, it's, yeah, I mean, Michael Jordan played better before he got to the Wizards, too. But yeah, that's, it, make, that, that's not that even a good That makes no sense. <laughs> but, I mean, Cooper didn't play that great in, in, in Dallas. He wasn't even their go-to guy down the stretch. Not down the stretch, but that, and that's that's one of his knocks is when things are on the line, he's not the guy that you can go to. Whereas these other guys are, but as, as far as his size and his speed and his you know catchability, you know he, he's he he could potentially be a very very good wide receiver. He just isn't hasn't been able to. But you know, man, I'm sure. Are you sure you're not a Dallas fan? <laughs> I'll give credit where credit is due. He had, he had, he he had a lot had of credit where credit <laughs> is due. <laughs> <laughs> a huge that's amount true. of credit. That's true. I mean, it, 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 that's true. That's true. As, as, a, as an Eagles fan, I probably shouldn't be giving him that much credit, but I've done that multiple times on this podcast. You know, I'm, I'm I, you know, I, I like to give these guys credit. Uh, you know? Yes, you do. You do. I'm more of a homer. Yeah, uh, but this next story, I probably shouldn't have taken a shot uh, <laughs> with Frane. 
Baker Mayfield is buying in and shutting up. Uh, Baker Mayfield's revelation on a Zoom call with the Browns media that he's moving into silence. This offseason is a sign that he's buying into Kevin Stavansky's program and faith in the coaching staff. Mary Kay Cabot of the Cleveland Plain Dealer, one of the best newspaper names in the country, uh, reports Mayfield has always spoken his mind without concern about what anybody thought, but Stefanski has asked his quarterback and the rest of the Browns to tone down their rhetoric, and Mayfield has taken it to heart. That bodes well for the season because it means Mayfield respects Stefanski and his approach. That wasn't the case last season when it quickly became apparent that Freddie Kitchens was in over his head and didn't play to Mayfield's strength, namely... Quick pocket setup, deep balls down the field, most notably to the middle and the right sideline. And by the end of the season, Mayfield was frustrated with the dysfunction, and it showed in his crumbling statistics and six and ten record. With Stefanski, Mayfield can point to the success of Kirk, motherfucking Cousins, and Case, motherfucking Keenum, and others under their tutelage in Minnesota, and can visualize himself flourishing in his play action scheme. He's also working on the brand new footwork implemented by OC. Alex Van Pelt, which is another sign of trust. Uh, on one field, on one hand, Mayfield's quiet off-season signals some maturity. On the other, it's encouraging sign that he's sold on the new regime. Mm-hmm. What do you think about Baker Mayfield finally growing up no, and no. giving his blankie away and trading it in? I won't believe it till I see it. And giving the nightlight away. I won't believe it till I see it. I mean, we we expected the Browns to be way better last year. Well, you didn't, but I did. And uh, I never expect the Browns yeah. to be good. And I don't ex- well, I expect I mean, them to they be- had, I mean, they, they really brought in some very good players. Um, but I, you know, he just doesn't seem like a mature player. He just doesn't have it between the ears. You know, I mean, he's, he's just, I don't know. I, I just don't see him having any sort of success in this league. He's just not very smart. Well, he's not smart. <clears throat> and he needs a quick release and he needs to throw the ball down the center of the field into the right side of the field. I can't give him a lot of time back there to think. That's just not his strong suit. You need a lot of RPOs. You need a lot of play action. You need a lot of deep balls down the right, right in the middle of the field. And I mean, it's true that Kitchens didn't well, Kitchens, do that yeah. for some unknown reason. I wouldn't say he was in over his head. It was well, just I, he just wasn't a very good coach. I you know yeah. I, I think this year they're going to have a little bit more success, maybe seven wins. <laughs> but I mean, you know, Kitchens, he just he just didn't belong in the NFL. He's, he's just not NFL caliber. But the Browns are the Browns. Uh, and two years ago, when the Steelers had an opportunity to make the playoffs after winning their game against Cincinnati, and all the Browns had to do was finish off a drive at the end of their last game against Baltimore at the end of the season. So close. And it was right there for the taking that would have pushed the Steelers into the playoffs, and Mayfield folded up like a cheap suit on that final drive of that game, and then last year spent the season complaining uh, and blaming everyone else under the sun for the problems that the Browns team Suffered. I, I'd like to think that Mayfield uh, can play better. Uh, he has the same problems today that he had when he was at Oklahoma, so I'm not confident that he's going to fix them now. He's he's starting to remind me a little bit of a lesser talented Cam Newton, where he's not going to change the things that he that he does poorly. He's not going to change his mechanics. He's not going to change the way that he approaches the game, and he may be stuck uh, sort of in a Groundhog Day situation. But it's it's I, the less I hear from Baker Mayfield. The happier I am. Yeah. So if he's going to shut his mouth and not say anything, same goes for Odell Beckham. If I don't have to hear from them, yeah, I don't see uh, the, the State Farm. Was it State yeah. Farm commercials? Yeah, yeah. I don't see any of those on TV anymore. So I mean, that's good. Yeah, I'm, for I'm sure. glad I don't have to watch those things. The less I see of Baker Mayfield, the less I hear of Baker Mayfield, the better.
come and see me when you can at least uh, get to 500 on the season. And for that, I will take a shot for bad mouthing Baker Mayfield. But there is some, there is, a, is it, is it, we've already taken two shots and we're only uh, 20 minutes into the show. Oh, no, I'm just looking at my watch because I got a text message. That's oh. all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, the, you know, the, the reality is, you know, Stefanski did do, you know, for all of his faults, he did do a good job with. Case Keenum, he did do a good job with Kirk Cousins. He did do a good job with the offense in Minnesota. So we don't want to take anything away from Stefanski. Uh, he is working with, uh, you know, Deep Podesta and a baseball mind over there, as well as Jim Haslam, who is a terrible, terrible owner who actually told uh, Jerry Jones to, to be quiet this week on a conference call. Uh, but but I, I think that the cards are stacked against him a little bit, which is, again, why I don't support Dak Prescott because Baker Mayfield has a lot more odds stacked against him in in, in Cleveland to succeed mm-hmm. than Prescott, who's given everything and anything he could possibly want and need to succeed and still hasn't. Mm-hmm. No, I, I completely agree with you, Ben, and we tried to disagree to make things a little more interesting, but we agree way too often. All right, now you got to share this all shot right, with me, too. All right, a little bit. A little bit of this Southern Comfort Lime as it's so comforting. the fireworks go off around us. Uh, yeah, your shot's a little bit bigger than mine, but mine's bigger than the one that you took. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, here we go. Cheers, Cheers. to you, Ben. Yeah, forgive us in advance if we drink too much on this it's show. Actually, <laughs> because we haven't been together in a long time. It's actually not that bad, Ben. You've been complaining it's these gross. last. It's gross. Few it's so weeks. sweet. It's so sweet. Oh, you should try that, Evan. I'm, I'm you know, when I come over next week. The Evan Williams uh, peach is definitely coming over, and you can try that and, and, and compare the two. Okay. We should probably have a taste test. <laughs> oh, God. I'll know which for, one is which. For terrible, fruity whiskeys. Oh. All right. Next up, the NFL Players Association posturing all week long, as well as last week. Uh, the NFL wants to reopen as soon as possible, and it has its sights set on a completely normal 2020 season. On Tuesday, NFL Players Association President J.C. Treader threw a bit of cold water on all that. Jesse Reed of Sports Not reported. Talking to social media on Tuesday, Treader wrote, Our union has not agreed to any reopening plan. Any reports about coming back to any work are hypothetical, and you will hear from the NFL Players Association when there are new developments. The first steps have been taken to getting back to pro sports, even states like California and New York have reopened the door for teams to begin reopening the reopening and practice process. Yet players in all the big leagues have unions backing them and extremely legitimate and extensive concerns to ponder. Uh, what say you about the NFL Players Association posturing uh, ahead of any reopening plans because they know they're going to be stuck with a smaller salary cap next year. And if the games are shortened this year, they're going to have less money coming to their players. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the, the union? Uh, essentially, they're saying, you know, we're not ready to go back to work yet. Um, you know, as, as far as training camps and that sort of thing, I, I think if you do it in a safe manner, I mean, we, you know, we, we, we see other sports leagues around the world sort of getting back to business. And, and you also mentioned the MLB, you know, starting their season probably without any fans. I'm not sure exactly. Yeah, no fans. Um, but, you know, they, they're... You As know, you like, would say, they never have any fans. Oh, they have plenty of fans for, <laughs> for some reason. I don't know why exactly. Um, no, I'm just kidding, Ben. I don't, I don't want to disrespect <laughs> baseball like that. I know there are a ton of fans uh, out there. I'm just not one of them. Um, but we see all these other sports leagues out there that are sort 
sort of getting back into business. You know, Bundesliga, the German uh, soccer league, they're they're you know back to playing without any fans, but they're out there, they're training, they're practicing. Um, you know, th- to me, it makes absolutely no sense that the subs that are not playing are distanced by about six feet, whereas the players who are on the field and sweaty and touching each other are able to do that. You're on the team bus. I know the team bus is not large enough to hold that many players and still space out players, you know, six feet or whatever. Um, but I, 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 I think that the NFL can find ways to sort of get players back into the facilities, you know, start some training regiments and, 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 and you know, get back to business. I mean, I'm not sure if when the season finally eventually kicks off, if they're going to have fans in the stadium. But, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of a wait-and-see approach right now because we just don't know. I mean, it's really hard to tell what's going to happen a month from now. Um, but I, I think they should focus on starting, you know, play when they usually would. You know, whenever the season is set to begin, you know, they should be focusing on that date. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think a lot of this is getting out ahead of it because the... Uh, the way that the salary cap and the player salaries are calculated is by expected and actual revenues uh, in the year that they play for the following year. So the 2021 salary cap, if if they don't play with fans in the stands, that could be 1.5 to two billion dollars. I I hear uh, revenue shortfall. The salary cap could be reduced next year by as much as 100 and, or but by as much as 50 million dollars per team from $200 million down to $50 million. And I think the Players Association is trying to get out in front of what they see as a potential problem, which it strikes me. I mean, I understand the owners should take a bigger hit Mm -hmm. if your business is struggling than your employees should. But this is also the downside of negotiating in your contract that you believe revenues are going to increase. So you want a bigger share of those revenues and you want revenue sharing to be a part of your salary base. If you want revenue sh- if you want revenue sh- sharing to be a part of your salary, then you also have to suffer the consequences mm-hmm. when the revenues are down. Yep. It's like going it's like saying that I'm going to work at Target even though Target's been closed for 3 months, but I still want my same paycheck, my same salary, everything that I had before. Uh because I've, I've negotiated a part of the, the revenue from, from Target. Well, Target's closed. You're not going to get paid. And I, I'm not a big but fan. the CEO will still make the same amount of money. <laughs> yeah, the CEO, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's I like, mean, you it's don't true. make any money. You know, little guys out there, you don't make any money, but I still make the money, which is the same thing the owners, they're still going to make yeah, the same well, amount of sure. money. Well, they'll make less. They're, yeah. They are going to make less because revenues will be down. Yeah, whatever they have on their back. I mean, they have other businesses too. I mean, they're, oh, they're sure. definitely not, sure. they're not going poor anytime soon. Um, but, you know, I, yeah, I, I, I don't agree with that. Yeah, and in real life, in real life, you know, I'm a very liberal union supporting dude. Uh, no, but, but when you it don't comes, say. But when it comes to these sports leagues, well, I support unions too because when, I'm part of a union. <laughs> so, <laughs> but when it comes to these sports leagues, I mean, it, it's it's you know, you know, Frane makes the same amount of money as anyone else that that's been in his job for as long as he's been in it. He doesn't get to walk in tomorrow and say, "I want to be represented by a union, but I want to make three times as much as the other guy doing the same job for the, that's been here just the same amount of time." I would as me. love to say that, but they right. laugh at me. But they would laugh <laughs> at you, right? Because that's not how a union works. So you negotiated this to get forty-seven or forty-eight percent of revenues that they play seventeen games next year, and you're going to suffer the consequences of that. You're not going to get a two hundred and two hundred ten million dollar salary cap next year. That's what you negotiated. So don't try to push the NFL around and say you're not going to play because you had to suffer a down year just like everybody else mm-hmm. uh, but i'm sure there are ways around i mean you know there are sort of ways to be creative we got a big fire we're going off holy <laughs> shit yeah but there there are there are you know ways to you know create revenue i'm sure they can be creative about it somehow and and, and still have money generated 
into the league. I mean, you know, there's 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 folks out there that work on this on this stuff. So yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, I just have a, a, a I've always sort of had an issue with the with the NFL Players Association because they've never cared. Uh, they've never put player safety at the forefront in healthcare and long term healthcare at the sa- you know at the forefront of their negotiations. It's always been money. It's never they've always sort of partnered with the league to make sure players didn't get what they needed, rather than uh, made safety health or at least healthcare before there was you know the safety concern, but they never really made long term healthcare a priority for their players. Nope. So don't come knocking on the door now that we're in a pandemic. <laughs> if Jerry Jones is going to lose a billion dollars next year. You know you're gonna have to you're gonna have to eat some of that too. Uh, he won't lose that. No, that's true. He's gonna maybe he can sell his yacht. <laughs> <laughs> so, but just to make it clear, I I don't have the same view of unions out there in the general workforce. Pretty crazy, uh, yeah. Firework that went off right there, man. I mean, yeah, that, that, we saw the flash. I saw the yeah. flash off of your face, Ben. In the San Fernando Valley of uh, Southern California, they uh, they spend money on fireworks, pandemic yeah. or not. <laughs> Uh, next up, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have made it a point to accommodate Sir Tom Brady. You got to. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers and head coach Bruce Arians, they say that the 12 personnel package, which includes two tight ends, will be the team's base offense in 2020, according to Greg Allman of The Athletic. This means that Rob Gronkowski and either O.J. Howard or Cameron Brate will be will join wideouts Mike Evans and Chris Godwin as well as a running back, either Ronald Jones or Keshawn Vaughn, on the field for most offensive snaps. The news probably puts a damper on the fantasy value of Godwin, as he will likely see fewer opportunities as a slot receiver than he did in 2019, but it gives quarterback Tom Brady one of the most imposing sets of offensive players in the entire NFL. The real question is whether Howard or Bray can rise to the occasion and nab a starting job or be saddled with the dreaded committee situation. Howard, the 19th overall pick in 2017 out of Alabama, has impressive physical skills but didn't seem to fit an Aryan scheme in the veteran coaches set in first season in Tampa. There is even speculation that the 25-year-old was on the trading block this offseason, but instead Bucks picked up his fifth-year option. He has yet to live up to his draft pedigree. Mm-hmm, uh, what true. say you? They're completely going to revamp that offense, turn it into the 12 personnel package that was so famous in New England so that Brady gets everything he wants. He's going to have those two huge tight ends out there, mm-hmm. running backs, two quick receivers. Woo, changing the whole offense for your quarterback. What do you and think? My quarterback. He's not my quarterback. Uh, <laughs> you love Tom Brady. I don't love Tom Brady at all. I've never <laughs> loved Tom Brady. I <laughs> I respect you what respect he did. I respect, of course. I think everybody respects what he did in New England. I'm trying with to Belichick foment some there. disagreement here. No, it's not going to happen. Not with Brady. <laughs> not with Brady. <laughs> I think most people are in agreement that yeah. we all hate Brady. But what do you think uh, about it? I mean, they're going to revamp the entire offense for him. Um, I, I, th- I think they will try to match the offense, the same sort of scheme that they had in New England, and, and and that would be the smartest thing that you can do. I mean, with Tom Brady there, I mean, you're, you're making a short-term investment. You know, he's only be there for maybe maybe one year, maybe two years at the most. He's not going to go beyond and play until he's 50 years old. So if they're going to win, it's going to be now, and they're going to try to match what they did in New England. Whatever he was, whatever made them successful there, they're going to try to do the exact same thing and replicate it in Tampa Bay. And uh, there's a lot of scary weapons in yeah. Tampa Bay, even last year. I mean, last year, you look at New England. I mean, obviously, they, they, they lost in the playoffs earlier than we usually see them lose. But 
had nobody. I mean, yeah. he had nobody there. Now yeah. he has like a, a team that's just stacked full of. And the defense is pretty good too. Uh, they're, they're pretty good too. Yeah, but I mean, the offensive line. We'll see how they perform. But I mean, it's 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 the NFC South is me a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I think it's a really smart man. This is why I like Bruce Arians because he doesn't get wedded to a particular scheme, wedded to a particular way of doing things. He's like, okay, this is my quarterback. This is what he likes to do. This is the skill set he's got, and we're going to revamp our offense just to. To support that, something they didn't do for Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay for a long time, uh, something a lot of a lot of head coaches refuse to do for their quarterbacks. But to have Gronk out there uh, with one of those two other tight ends and running back, and Howard is a and very Godwin good and Evans out there. I mean, that is a they, both tight ends can block, both tight ends can go deep, both tight ends can can play in the middle of the field. That is going to be a scary, scary offense to defend mm-hmm. uh, because you're not going to have any idea what's coming with both of those tight ends and two speedy receivers and Evans probably he's probably in that category right below uh Julio Jones and DeAndre Hopkins and and Michael Thomas he's up there mm-hmm. oh, in definitely. that category definitely he's so, huge yeah I mean that's gonna be and he can catch the ball mm-hmm. oh yeah that, that's that's also important yeah. as a wide receiver <laughs> well, there are some big guys that can't catch huge and being able to come <laughs> down with the football and he definitely can and that's because it's just with his pinpoint accuracy and his ability to get through his reads as quickly as he can, I, I think. I, I mean, I, I can't agree with Franny more. I mean, that that NFC South is going to be fucking. It's, it's uh, ma- fun. I mean, Breeze is going to be done in the first five or six weeks of the season. Oh, you, but the you've rest, been saying that for but I mean, the rest. But the rest of those teams. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, towards the end of the season, he looked like he was running out of gas, and you know, he 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 didn't follow the same TB twelve. Um, stra- strategy <laughs> <laughs> that that Tom Brady has been uh, doing for what. Well, I would say at least five or six years now. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he goes to yeah, the he goes to the gym and he has a coach who just warms him up. And this coach is like, "Well, you're gonna hit the weights now." He's like, "No, no, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's all I need." I'm to done. Do. I'm done. You, you warm me up. I'm good. I, I'm all stretched now. You know, I can I could lift weights, but I'm just not going yeah, to. I know Breeze doesn't have a cryogenic <laughs> chamber. That's for sure. Uh, does uh, Does Brady have a cryo? Does he actually have a cryogenic oh, chamber? I don't know. Probably the he jury's out on that. Yeah. yeah. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm sure he probably has one just just because. Oh God, Tom Brady! But at least he's like I said, he's in the NFC, so I am going to root for Tampa, and and hope that they can. They I'm can... not going to root for them. I'm just interested in 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 watching that division. You know, if if they're playing, I will watch. Would you, you know, put them the... up there with? Uh, you know, uh, not the dream team, but you know what they did in in Miami with Dwayne Wade, what they did with the Lakers and bringing those players in, what they've done with some of those. Uh, you mean like the, were, the big three or whatever? Yeah, I mean, I mean bringing the in the big, you know, five or six over here. Yeah, in, I mean, in, Gronkowski's back. Brady's in there. Godwin, Mike Evans. Evans yeah, I mean, I mean, Gordon. That's, that's a scary offense on paper. We'll see how things play out. We'll see how you know Tom Brady sort of fits in. We'll see if Belichick was the man in New England and the reason why you know Brady found all that success. And 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 that's something I'm excited. I'm looking forward to that. Oh, for sure. I mean that division is going to be fun with Bridgewater in Carolina, Breeze and Hill down in, and they signed as Matty they, Ice. They, they, then they got an undrafted. You got Maggie, you got Matty Ice down there as well, and Brady. That's going to be a fun, That's be a fun division, to division to watch. So please, Corona, let us play football. Yes. Uh, next <laughs> up, piggybacking on that, we have a new era beginning in New England. It might not receive the same fanfare as the throwing session that Tom Brady organized with his new Tampa Bay Bucks teammates, but Brady's potential successor with the Patriots, Jared Stidham, has quietly done something similar in recent weeks. 
On a recent day in Massachusetts, Stidham and a group of six teammates gathered in a private football field for their work, which focused intently on following social distancing guidelines. Stidham has been a catalyst for the throwing session, sources said, which reflects a show of leadership as the Patriots transition from 19, count them, 19 seasons with Tom Brady as their starting quarterback. Stidham, a 2019 fourth-round pick from Auburn War Eagle, also has been visible in the New England community, and his wife, Kennedy, donated 1,000 meals to children and families at a local YMCA. Is that the feel-good story? No. Oh, we have a good feel-good story. <laughs> uh, this all right. Week. That's what we said last week, too. Uh, veteran quarterback Brian Hoyer <laughs> and the week before. has been present at the throwing sessions, present, uh, along with wide receivers Julian, Julian Edelman, and Gunnar Oswesky, among a few others that have been in town during the coronavirus pandemic. But it looks like the Patriots are going to move forward with Jared Stidham. Looks like possibly Hoyer will get a start or two, but looks like the long-term plans or even the short-term plans are to go with Jared Stidham, Auburn alum. What say you about New England sticking with their quarterback? I don't know. That's, I mean, it doesn't sound very promising to me, but yeah, I'm not going to put it best past Bill Belichick to figure things out. I mean, we've seen it, seen him do it for the last 20 years. So I'm not going to doubt anything until I actually see the product on the field. Um, I, you know, New England is the best team in that division until some other team can step up. But right now, I think the front runner should be New England based on what they've done in the past with the same coach. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I, I just can't, I can't, you know, I, I I can't fault or 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 find any reason why New England wouldn't be the best just because of of Bill Belichick, the Jets, yeah, the Bills, but, but Bill, but Bill Belichick, <laughs> the Jets. <laughs> I know I'm high on the Jets. And I know the you've Bills. been. I mean, I just I don't I don't like the Jets coach. I mean, that's, yeah, I just, he's I just terrible. Yeah. He is terrible. At least McDermott. At least the Bills have a good coach. They have a terrible quarterback, they, but they have a good coach. That yeah, and the reverse is true with the Jets. They have a, they have a good quarterback, but a terrible coach. So I don't know. They, I mean, it's, I'm, 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 I'm really interested in seeing what New England will do this year. But I'm not going to put it past them to be the best team in that division this year until you know I see otherwise. Yeah, and me too. And I'm, I'm actually kind of depressed about it because I, I think Stidham, by all accounts, has the intestinal fortitude or grit. When we, as him, you say, we've seen him do it before. Yeah, and that's what Belichick loves. You know, Brady is obviously not the most physically gifted quarterback in the league by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but he was very, very strong-willed, very, very disciplined, mm-hmm. very, very studious. Um, he's essentially like the Kurt Schilling of, yeah. of quarterbacks. I mean, Matt Castle. Matt Castle, nobody... Got him to the playoffs. Heard, nobody heard about him. I mean, he went to my high school, but <laughs> that's why I heard about him. But I didn't hear about him before. Wait, he went to Chatsworth? He went to Chatsworth. I'd never heard about the guy. I mean, I wouldn't have heard about the guy if I didn't actually go to high school with the guy. But he didn't play in USC. He didn't play in the NFL until Belichick had him play that one season that Brady actually got injured and they had an 11-5 and record yeah. that year. Yeah. So I wouldn't put it past you know, Belichick and the Patriots doing something similar this year with an unknown. Yeah, I'm a little concerned about the offense. The offense, they don't have the kind of skill players that, that Brady had for the bulk of his career. Um, so that scares me a little bit. But, I mean, I, I, I'm I still optimistic is the wrong word because I'm not looking. I don't want it to happen, but I'm optimistic that, that, that they'll probably still be the best team in that division. And if, if yep. Bill Belichick... I'm surprised you're saying this, Ben. Well, but if he has confidence in Stidham, 
Yeah, but you've been I, so I don't know why behind I wouldn't... the Jets for like the last couple of years. Well, I'm still behind the Jets. I, I still think the are, Jets but... have a chance if they can get everything together. They have a great defense. I mean, they brought in more defensive players. They've got a decent quarterback if they could just get a better coaching staff mm-hmm. in there. They've got Bell at, at running back. They've got decent receivers. So, you know, I'd like to see the Jets do better. I'd obviously like to see the Bills do better, uh, but they have a problem at quarterback. But, you know, <laughs> Belichick. Yeah. You know, I mean, if he's confident in Stidham and it looks like Stidham may be the guy on day one rather than Hoyer, um, which I think would be smart. I mean, he didn't have any problem benching Drew Bledsoe while he was injured. I think it would be a mistake to start Hoyer at the beginning of the season because Hoyer is, you know, he's a 97 Honda. You know what you're getting with that car. Uh, but Stidham is a nice new Tesla in 2014 or 15. Well, no, but before you knew what you were going to get, right? When you thought, when no one had any idea whether it was going to be any good or not. Um, and I, I'd roll off the line with Stidham at the beginning of the season. I'd say maybe a Prius, but not a Tesla. Yeah, that's true. He is, he, and he's, and he's very vanilla. He's sort of nondescript like Brady used to be. And, I would roll with Stidham, but I, mm. I would if, if Bill Belichick has confidence that Stidham can do I mean, it. Yeah, I, I, I have confidence. I can't doubt the guy at all, and, and and until you know we see it with our own eyes on the field, and it hasn't happened yet. Well, last year, I mean they they didn't have the offensive player, so yeah, I, but they still went to the playoffs and they still had eleven wins. Yeah, that's I, true. I, you know, I mean they definitely they didn't have the players, but they still found a way to succeed. I mean, you can't win the Super Bowl every season. Um, I mean, they try and they do a pretty good job at it, but, uh, I mean, they had a lot of success even with, uh, you know, the lack of talent on that team. Yeah. I'm going to call this the six degrees of Dak Prescott episode <laughs> again, back to Dak Prescott. Look at the, the weapons that Brady had to work with last year. Mm-hmm. Look at what he was dealing with on the offensive side of the ball. And they still had 11 wins in a decent conference. And they still went, but they won their, they they lost, uh, they lost a second game in the playoffs, right? They won their first playoff game, but they lost their first game. The, they, they lose in a, in a divisional round? Uh, wild not, card round. They, they, I think they got the, uh, the bye, right? Oh, that's they, right. They, they yeah. still had a bye. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, again, Dak Prescott, I mean, if Brady could get a bye, with the garbage team that he had last year on offense. As far as I can remember, I, I believe they got the bye. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know why. I don't have any reason to doubt you. I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. the Patriots, you just pencil them in for, yeah. a, for a bye. They're there. They're the playoffs. Uh, Steelers miss playoffs because of Patriots. You just pencil that in. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I, I it, it's, it's amazing what they were able to do last year with that team. I agree. Mm-hmm. And Dak Prescott had a much better team on offense and on defense. Still, Tom Brady is better. All right, Franny, that's it for the NFL news. What's next up on the big board? Next up on the big board, Ben, is our promo for our fellow podcaster out there. All right, folks, hold tight. We'll be right back with a promo for one of our fellow independent podcasters. All right, folks, we do this podcast for the love of football, for the love of each other, and for the love of the game. Not to make money, not to get rich, although we wouldn't mind a Joe Rogan-sized contract eventually. A quick promo for one of our fellow friends out there in the independent podcasting world. This is the Goal Line Fade podcast, so hold tight, everybody. I'm Daniel. And I'm Adam. Welcome to the Goal Line Fade podcast. 
Join us each week as we talk all things NFL. Whether it's news, fantasy football, or game breakdowns during the year, or deep dives into the draft, free agency, and predictions going into the offseason, we know you'll have fun joining us for our unique takes on the NFL. With new episodes every Thursday morning all throughout the offseason, we know we'll have content you will enjoy. So hopefully we'll see you next week. All right, folks, that's a shout out to the Goal Line Fade Podcast with Adam Gorzin and Daniel Bredlin, or Braden, I'm sorry. Uh, join them as they recap each week of the NFL season and give you off-season news almost every single week, along with fantasy picks during the season and a whole lot of opinions, much like ourselves. You can find them, get a link to their website in the show notes, and you can find them on Twitter at G-O-A-L-1-N-E, Fade, Goal Line Fade on Twitter. Finally, what's next up on the big board? Next up on the big board, Ben, we have our tag team news, our Thurston Goal news, my Eagles news, your Steelers news, Ben, and Sonya's Seahawks news yes for those of you that don't know us as well as some of our fans out there and our great great listeners i am a huge Steeler fan franny is a huge eagles fan and sonya is a cry if they win cry if they lose uh seahawks fan probably the biggest seahawk fan i've ever met in my life uh even before so, they were good even before they were good she thought that david craig daniel craig david craig what was, what, I don't even remember Craig's first name. D. Craig. D. Craig, <laughs> uh, the quarterback. Huge Hasselbeck fan. I think she fell in love with the Seahawks when Matt, just good enough to get to the playoffs, Hasselbeck, was the quarterback of that team. Uh, and she tells me pretty often that it's a good thing we met after the Steelers played the Seahawks in that mm-hmm. Super Bowl. That contra- I might not even be here. Yeah, that's you know, true. <laughs> if, if you played beforehand. <laughs> that controversial Mike Holmgren whining extravaganza at the end of that game because the Palomalo play was not, <laughs> in fact, a penalty. Franny, you want to start with the Eagles, the Seahawks, or the Steelers? Uh, let's start with the Steelers, Ben. All right. This is a sad, sad day in Steelerland. Uh, they're not going to be... Uh, holding training camp in Latrobe, which is a huge, huge event in Pennsylvania, as well as a huge event and an economic event for the community. Uh, but for the first time since 1966, the Pittsburgh Steelers won't be going to St. Vincent for training camp. In fact, the Steelers, like all other NFL teams, won't be traveling anywhere for camp because of career, uh, concerns about the coronavirus pandemic. The NFL teams were told Tuesday to conduct training camp at their on-site facilities for the Steelers, that means workouts will be held at the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex on the south side of Pittsburgh. And so the NFL has told all its teams they must stay at their team facilities for this summer's training camps. Steelers spokesman Bert Lawton said the organization has heard nothing official from the NFL about a change in training camp locations. And a St. Vincent spokesman said the college has not received official word either. I think it's a shame that that's happening. Unity Township Supervisor Mike Obardo said, it's definitely going to hurt our business community. The businesses that have been hurt the most because of the virus are going to be hurt again. Uh, Latrobe Mayor Rosie Wolford said that she was disappointed by the NFL directive, but acknowledges that everybody needs to be cautious and listen to the experts. Uh, the NFL community continues to emerge from the coronavirus pandemic. Hopefully this is a one-year situation, she said. 
It's going to be a challenging time for everybody, uh, but they're committed to hoping or helping their local businesses get on track. Coach Mike Tomlin said in a recent interview with Kentucky basketball head coach John Calipari on his podcast that the organization was exploring all options for training camps because obviously the safety and protocol is a first and foremost, and we've got to put these guys in a situation that best checks both those boxes. But Franny, you know, since 1966, they've been in Unity Township at St. Vincent for a long, long time. A lot of the restaurants, local businesses uh, rely on Steelers Training Camp for a bulk of their business or 30 to 40 percent of their business revenue for the year. It's a huge event. Uh, Steelers players love it. The locals love it. People mm-hmm. drive in. I mean, it's an amazing event. I've watched video of it. I've always wanted to go. Uh, and it's just a shame that that this is just one more a small community that'll be impacted, you know, both economically as well as emotionally by not being able to see something that, you know, they don't normally, you know, they don't, you know, smaller towns don't usually get NFL players, you know, roaming through their cafes Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, hundreds, thousands of people turn up every year. So it's just sad that, that 50, 60 years has come to an end here. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked about it earlier with, uh, you know, um, with the NFL losing revenue, I mean, you know, a lot of people have been suffering through this uh, whole COVID nineteen pandemic. It's just unfortunate. Um, you know, I believe the Cowboys come out Southern California for their training camp, so that's a good thing. Yeah, I think, it's, they, Ventura, I think it's like actually, Ventura County, right? They or somewhere actually up won't there? be coming out here, so yeah. uh, that's that's a good that's thing a good thing for the Cowboys. Well, in true Jerry Jones here. fashion, they go to one of the most affluent communities in the country to go to have their training camp. Yeah, well, it's nice weather. I mean, it's yeah. nice weather. It's not as humid, I'm sure, as it might be in uh, Dallas, but uh, you know that that might be one of the positives coming. Out of this is <laughs> no Cowboys not having the Cowboys in California. I'm a shot. All right, fuck, there fuck. you go. I just, uh, there you I go. Just, while, while that was all coming out of my mouth, I was thinking about. Finally, he said something negative of this. But I mean, I I mean, the Steelers are, you know, I'm not take it, take it, take it, take it, take it, take it. it. I'm not a traditionalist by any stretch, but, uh, you know, the Steelers are a very traditional franchise. I don't think there's very many teams in the league that have been holding their training camp at the same place uh, since 1966. So it'll be a sad day for St. Vincent, a sad day. Uh, for the Latrobe community, uh, so it was just sort of depressing to hear mm-hmm. that. But obviously, but I mean, also, you know, um, one of the positive things is at least they're still, you know, trying to get their training out somewhere. At least, I mean, it, it's not Latrobe, but I mean, at, at least the you know the players are sort of coming together for you know training camp and that sort of thing and trying to get some sort of practice in. I mean, it sucks. I mean, you know, uh, this whole COVID nineteen thing. Has Brutal, been terrible. Yeah, um, but you know, at least, at least you know some of the players are able to come together and 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 get some um, some football in. Yeah, and it could be worse. I mean, Latrobe, uh, count you know not count your blessings, but I mean it could be worse. Uh, apologies to Florida in advance, but at least it's not like the NBA where they're sending every single player in the NBA to the worst possible location on <laughs> earth to Orlando. California, just what you want, all the heat. Orlando, Florida. Not Orlando, California. Florida. Just what you want, all the heat of Florida with no beach. Uh, that is that is where the NBA players are going to be forced to be quarantined for, you know, potentially uh, several months as they finish out the season and the playoffs. So it could be worse. It's the happiest place on earth, then. If you're, you know, if you're at, <laughs> yeah. I guess if you're at Disney World, you're not a parent. And you are, in fact, a child. I guess it is the happiest place on earth. But most parents I know that go to Disney World with their children come back looking like they need a vacation from their vacation. Yep. 
Uh, what do you want to handle next, Eagles or Seahawks? Let's do Eagles, Ben. All right, Eagles news. Deshaun Jackson, who I'm not a huge fan of, actually had a great idea this week. Uh, Philadelphia, well, because he's not on the field as much <laughs> as he could be. Philadelphia Eagles. That's not wide, his fault. Wide, I mean, not my fault. I'm made of glass. Yeah. Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver Deshaun Jackson appeared Friday on teammate Lane Johnson's Outside the Lane YouTube series. Love me some Lane Johnson. Uh, during the show, the pair talked about what the NFL will look like and sound like if fans are not allowed to attend games in 2020 because of the coronavirus pandemic. Jackson has a wild idea. Put a microphone on every player on the field. Mike Rornstein of New Jersey Advanced Media reports. It's going to get crazy without fans, Jackson said. I think they should mic up players, every player. I think they should give fans insight to see what really goes on between the white lines. It gets crazy in there. Uh, the trench, it gets crazy inside the trenches. And I know that on the outside, it gets crazy twos. Crazy too. The conversations we have go back and forth. Uh, empty stadiums without fan noise could pose real problems for teams. Every line call made by the center or quarterback could become audible, making it quite easy to diagnose plays. And to be quite honest, if the stadiums are empty and if the broadcast networks don't use fake noise for fans watching at home, all the line calls will become easy to hear while watching on TV, even if the players aren't wearing microphones. But Jackson doesn't sound as worried about that. Uh, as he is about a lack of energy that would come without fans in the stands. Uh, Jackson said, my feelings about playing in an empty stadium, I definitely can't recall playing in one. I've never played in an empty stadium, honestly, Jackson said. Even in Pop Warner, I used to look at the stands and have fans. It's going to be a culture shock. I think at the end of the day, we're all professionals and we'll all adapt to having no fans present, but I'll definitely be weird at first, and hopefully they can figure out an alternative to that. I think a lot of teams and players feed off the energy. Well, what do you think about miking up the players? I love this idea. You know, I actually, I mean, I don't mind it. I don't mind them. I, I, you know, if they want to mic up the players, that's fine. But there's me a lot of bleeping <laughs> going on if they do mic the players, uh, because you know, I mean, when when you're in the heat of the moment, and you're and and you're and you're playing, you're 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 battling against the guy on the opposite side of the field. You're going to say some things that you probably otherwise wouldn't say in a normal conversation. There's a lot of bad words that can be used, and and I don't give a shit. Ooh. But you know, if if you're watching with little kids, you know, then you know this this, this I mean. The U.S. in general is a little sensitive to bad language. I mean, you hear it all over the place. I don't know why on TV it's such a big deal when somebody says, you know, fuck or or, or shit or or whatever it is. Um, but, you know, that's the only reason why I, I don't think it's necessary to to do that because I think for the networks it might be a little difficult to, you know, bleep every single bad word on there. And and, and as far as, uh, you know, using fake crowd noise, you know, I've, I've watched a little bit of, of the Bundesliga Um and, you know, for the first week or two weeks, they didn't, you know, pump any fake noise into the stadium or use any fake noise on TV. But, it, you know, recently, the last week or two weeks, they've actually started to use some of the fake crowd noise. And it's actually working. Ugh, you know, it actually, no way. No, no, I'm serious. I'm serious. Like, you know, these guys are out there and they're playing. And whenever, when, yeah, I know there's some huge fireworks huge going fireworks. on over here. But, what, you know, whenever there's like a, a, they're near the goal or if there's a, a huge call made on the field or if they score a goal, they're actually, you know, using whoever's controlling the fake crowd noise is actually pressing the excite button because like the, the crowd, the volume goes up. There's some excitement. It's more, it's more normal for the spectator, you know, watching. I know you don't agree with the Ben because you're shaking your head right now, and this is why it's great to do this 
with you here because I can see your expressions a little more easily than I could on the computer screen. But uh, it, you know, it it it's it's a little more normal for us. For the players, it definitely probably is not. But for us, for the spectator, it is. Yeah, and I haven't watched it, so I'll reserve complete judgment until I've seen it. Uh, but it's it's fake. It's not real. It's, it's not fake. real, but I mean, they make it seem real. When you're watching some sort of explosion in a Hollywood movie, it's not real, but it seems real. Well, I mean, I mean, soccer's like an orgasm, right? It's like it's like a series of incomplete orgasms throughout the entire game. What? That's 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 that's, that's, that's how I view soccer. Like it's a, uh, it's like this rising. Uh, it's coming. It's coming. Oh no, it didn't happen. Yeah, but whoever's controlling you know, like, is doing that, a good job. Like that, that, that's, uh, to me is a soccer match. Like this high pitch excitement and no goal, and then yeah, like it gets all, uh, tomorrow. I mean, I, th- I, I you know I'm not. I, I, they're probably playing tomorrow. But, you know, around whatever, 10 a.m., 11 a.m. over here on the West Coast, you know, tune in to like Fox Sports and watch, you know, whoever's playing. And they try to they try to keep the camera angle on the field. So they're not really panning out into the stadium to show that there's no fans there. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so they just kind of pan it up to the point where you can see the, you know, the 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 little boards that they have around the stadium. But you don't see any fans, but you can hear the fake fans. And it, it, it is it is actually they're doing a decent job with it. I don't doubt it. I mean, I, the Germans, I have no doubt that they will be very efficient and, and organized yeah. and, and and definitely uh, figure that out, unless you're Jan Ulrich, of course. Uh, but <laughs> oh. they will definitely figure that out. Uh, but I just I feel like it's not real. I mean, so it's not real, of course. I would rather have Jackson's eye. I would rather listen to everything. Uh, sorry about that, folks. We have some serious fireworks going on. I don't know if you can hear on. it on the mic, because I couldn't hear him on the mic when I was oh, really? at my place. So I don't know if that's coming through the mic, but there are a lot, a lot of explosions going on right now with yeah, fireworks. so it's a month from July 4th, and it only gets worse <laughs> as we get closer. Yeah, just about a month. Yeah. But that gave me an idea. The NFL Network could have mic'd up fans on the NFL package, they, or mic'd up players. They could have like a two choices, like one... Oh. Is with the fake fan noise, and two is with mic'd up players with no censorship, or maybe even a third with mic'd up players with censorship. But I would absolutely love to hear, and I know the NFL would never do this in a million years because they're the, you know, the a wholesome, you know, whole milk and and French toast league, so they will never do it. Um, but that would be awesome to hear. I like Sh- Jackson's idea. I, they did it in the XFL, I think. Well, it, it got interviews. a little tiring. It was interviews in the XFL. I don't know. And if the, the play calling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the play calling yeah. too, but the actual players themselves, you know, I, I mean, I know how I would react if I was playing, you know, I, I it, you know, you, you use some bad language. I mean, oh, it's, just, and you it's, hear, just, it's just human nature. Yeah, That's and just you hear what, what the is. players say. I mean, yeah. I, I, they're going to be talking about I how mean, they fuck like, their, their, you know, the fuck, <laughs> the, you know, how I've, the offensive players would be like, you know, I, I fucked your mother last night. I fu-, you know, I mean, it, it, that's the kind of stuff that they talk Maybe about. You would say, man, but, sure <laughs> but they do. They talk about, you know, like the most vile the things that they could think and get into somebody's head, like talking about their mothers, their daughters, their, yeah. their brothers, their sister. I mean, they talk about the most vile stuff to try to get into people's heads. Mm-hmm. And I think it's great that they do that because, you know, use every weapon I think, you have I think available. I put a to question you. out on, on Twitter. About tomorrow. that? Yeah, about that. To see if, 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 uh, if fans want, you know, the, the pumped in fake crowd noise or if they want mic'd up players and see what wins. Yeah, I'd be curious to see. I mean, I did put, put, put something similar to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll do that again. Uh, but with just those two choices tomorrow and see what you guys think. But I would love to hear a little bit more of what happens. And Mike Tomlin brought up a good point this week about, uh, you know, how you're going to call an audible if everything is audible. 
Hmm. Uh, if if there's no way to communicate with your players outside of the huddle, it, it makes it difficult to to call you know audible plays or to change the play at the line of scrimmage. So it will change the play calling somewhat, regardless of what they do with the fan noise. But I will watch the soccer match and see yeah, so how how the I mean, it seems how more, the fake orgasms go up and down during the seems, soccer match. It seems natural. It seems you know the, the way they control the sound uh, coming through the speakers. It is natural. I mean, it makes it seem more real. It does make it seem like. I mean, they have chants and everything going oh, on. I mean, Lord, it's it's, 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 it's I'm, I was impressed. I was impressed. Like I almost forgot. That there were no fans in the stadium. That's how good it was. Interesting. All right. I'll check it out. All right. Next up, Seahawks. Pete Carroll, Zen Master. He's the closest I think we have in the NFL to Phil Jackson. Bill Nowhere Belichick. near. Bill Belichick. Well, in terms of his <laughs> um, his emotional connection with his players, I think. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Bill uh, Belichick doesn't seem like he has much of an you emotional know, he's connection. Sort of the, he's not as good as Phil Jackson, obviously, but he's got he's like the one guy that sort of... Does that kind of thing? I have no idea where the fuck these people get their fireworks yeah. from, but these are huge. I think they get them from like West Virginia coal miners are blasting the side of mountains <laughs> no, out man, because these are like, like sticks of dynamite that yeah, are going off right now. Mortars. Ay, ay, ay. Especially with what's going on this week. You don't need to be uh, like inviting people <laughs> to your house. Uh, Seattle Seahawks coach Pete Carroll has done his best to switch things up in his virtual meetings this offseason, like bringing in comedian Will Ferrell, which I definitely encourage everyone to check out Will Ferrell's Zoom call uh, with the team this offseason. It was hilarious. Uh, Monday's meeting was a lot more serious and with no football at all. Uh, with protests going on nationwide, Carroll knew his players would not be focused on regular football meetings, so he used the time to have his players express their feelings over what's been happening around them. I'm grateful to have an organization that we have in our organization that understands. Seahawks linebacker Bobby Wagner told reporters on a video conference via Greg Bell of the Tacoma News Tribune. It was clear that Monday couldn't be just about football. Indianapolis Colts' Frank Reich addressed his team on racial injustice and said that his team uh, and, the, and the city or the, the Colts wanted to help. Carroll knew that treating Monday like a normal day wasn't the right move. Uh, it's hard for me to focus on football or anything else uh, that's going, uh, anything else other than what's going on, Wagner said. Uh, you looked up from whatever you were doing and you saw what was happening. Wagner said players shared their thoughts. They talked about how their cities are dealing with the protests because players are spread out throughout the country during the pandemic. Wagner thought it was productive to have a platform in a situation where we can do all of that. It felt really great, Wagner said. So regardless of how you feel about the protests or what's going on, I just think it showed that that Carol really understands how to communicate on a human level with his players because i'm sure that you know there were there were a lot of coaches around the league that just said let's talk about football today let's not talk about the distractions and carol's like you know what's another day let me just let these guys talk mm -hmm. no I, I completely agree ben i mean it's it's good to have open dialogue amongst players of you know of all colors basically i mean you know it's a, it's because it's you know it's a it's a diverse league and and it's it's good to uh you know talk about it and you know let your feelings known yeah, I mean, unless I, you're Drew Brees. Yeah, unless you, yeah, unless and, you, and you yeah. just, yeah, that, 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 <laughs> self awareness. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> a little self awareness there, but yeah, just a little bit. Uh, but I mean, I think it's really, I mean, he, I've always liked Pete Carroll, uh, and I'm still so, so, so angry that I mean, it wasn't if it were my team against the Seahawks in the Super Bowl with Marshawn Lynch, I'd be uh, thrilled that they decided to throw the ball on that fourth down. Uh, but because <laughs> he's such a uh, a human being in addition to being a football coach and, and, and seems to really genuinely care about people 
and care about uh, his his players. I, I just think it was a really smart move for him. And again, regardless of how you feel about what's going on, uh, to recognize that the players didn't want to talk about football this week, mm-hmm. to give them an outlet to just sort of share their feelings. Uh, and even what he did with Will Ferrell, uh, you know, it was people were tense and, and Will Ferrell came on and essentially played the roles of like three different players. I, I think it was um, Will Disley or, oh no, he played uh, Greg Olson. Greg Olson, yeah. Greg Olson. Was, <laughs> and, you know, just to realize that players need a little bit of that, you know, it can't be all football all, all the time, the especially when you're locked indoors in a pandemic or especially when they're, geez, Louise, that was a big one, mm-hmm. uh, locked indoors. That's what she said. Uh, and now you're, and now you're, uh, watching, you know, protests nationwide, uh, regardless of your feelings on, on politics. I mean, I think it was a really smart move because there probably were players in a room that didn't agree with each other. And at least it gave everybody an opportunity to talk. And Bobby Wagner is, a, is, you know, as good a, a good a guy and a good a football player as you're going to find. And for him to be, you know, supportive of his coach, I think that'll pay dividends later on in the season. Mm-hmm. All right, Franny, what's next up on the big board? Next up on the big board, Ben, is our feel-good story. Oh, it's our feel-good story. Sit tight, everybody. All right, folks. Every week we try to scour the universe and look for something that we can use to make ourselves feel a little bit better about the world around us. And this week we have Marcel Darius. Uh, This is from WIAT down in Central Alabama. The Community Food Bank of Central Alabama will be hosting a drive through mobile pantry at Huffman High School on Thursday, June 4th. They did hold it on Tuesday. Thursday, June 4th, for any families that were in need of nutritious food. The food bank's mobile pantry distributions are a CDC compliant and drive through style so no one can remain or no, so everyone can remain in their vehicles, pop the trunk, and a volunteer will place grocery boxes inside the vehicle. This event was thanks to a generous donation from Huffman High alum and NFL two time pro bowl and star defensive tackle. Marcel Darius. Darius will be among the food bank staff and volunteers loading cars with groceries and helping the neighbors in need. As a Birmingham native, Darius honed his football talents while at Huffman High School before becoming a national champion at the University of Alabama, then making his way to the pros with the Bills and now the Jacksonville Jags. His journey through his childhood adversity to the top of the football world has fortified Darius's passion for off-the-field charities and efforts during his regular playing career. Career. Any families in the Huffman and surrounding areas who needed groceries did participate in the drive through campaign. Franny, what say you about <laughs> Marcel? He always I, makes fun of me. He's like, well, what do you think about curing childhood cancer? <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. It's terrible. I, 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 don't, I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's it's a nothing, great story. I mean, there's nothing you can't say. Great stories Ben. i mean we like you said i mean you definitely do scour the web for these sorts of things uh but it's good to bring light to these sorts of charities and donations and all the things that the players are doing out there to make the world a better place and that is awesome yeah for sure and i like to find the i mean the folks that that really go back to where they were born and raised mm-hmm. and and help out their local local communities because you know a lot of folks leave and never come back so it's really nice to see uh darius doing this for his neighborhood so thank you marcel darius 
All right, Friday. What's next up on the big board? Next up on the big board, Ben, we are going to talk about the documentary, the Lance Armstrong documentary. You watched the first episode or the first, well, it was kind of like two episodes in the first weekend because they're like two hours long and then the second one was this past weekend and uh, ben you watched both right i mean you did, I did. watch both I did. of the 30 for 30s uh the documentaries and and uh you know i, I thought it was great i mean you know i loved it I, I, I you know there was a lot that i learned about lance armstrong and you know who he is and and who he probably should be too <laughs> Because uh, he's, he's, he's an interesting, interesting. I, lo- I love him. He's an interesting character. I love him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but why? Why do you love him, Ben? Uh, because I just think, I mean, once he was caught, I just think he's, maybe he's not being honest. Maybe it's all an act because he was an actor for so long. But just his, his forthrightness about how he feels about other people and how he feels about uh, what he was doing for a living and how he treated other writers. Um, and you see the, both the love he has for some of the writers he befriended and some of the writers he respected and the right. he hatred. He, it's funny because hatred he, he has for He other. didn't really respect a lot of writers. I mean, he respected Ulrich. Yep. That German writer. But a lot of and, the writers. The guy from, I mean, the guy and, from Italy. And he said that was the one guy. Pantini. The one, pretty much the, the one guy that he really, really did respect. And there was an emotional moment where he almost started crying on camera, which is something you don't really see from Lance Armstrong. I mean, the entire no. time uh, for like whatever the four hours that it was watching him, he was, you know, very, you know, stone faced. And, and uh, you know, that was the one time that he sort of, you know, broke down. I think that was the one guy that he really respected. And he was almost like the whipping boy. And I think they've actually mentioned that in uh, the documentary where he was the one guy. He was Got like caught. the Utah Jazz for uh, the Chicago Bulls. You know, they were like close, but they weren't good enough, just like a lot of those teams in the 90s. They were that second place team. And that was the yeah. one guy that just kept on pushing him. That's why he woke up in the morning. Because that guy yeah. would push him. He said nobody else got him up early in yeah. the morning. Yeah. And I mean, I think that, that you know, that's that's maybe a shortcoming of arms. You shouldn't have to be a physical competitor at your level to, to be worthy of respect because not everyone can compete at that level physically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I, I think in Pantini, I think he said some nice things about uh, Pantini as well. But I mean, opening up the, the, the second, I mean, what do you win? Five, six, seven, seven in a row? Seven in a row. Yeah. I mean, that's unheard of. You know, some of the things he did. There were reasons why he won seven in a row. Um, But, you know, at the same time, when everybody, I mean, everybody, it seems like, in the cycling world was doping, even probably still now are doping, he was still the guy that was winning. Yeah. I mean, mean, he was still a physical, athletic specimen. I mean, this started early in his life. I mean, he was winning races. He was 16. Yeah, sort of you know, not Ironman, but that those types of competitions, he was winning those competitions uh, even before the doping. Yep. But then when he started doping, you know, he, he started winning. But I mean, he wouldn't even have a chance if he didn't dope at all, because there was also that point in his career where he didn't dope and everybody excelled and they were so far ahead of him because, you know, the doping obviously gives you that advantage. Yeah. I mean, what's he supposed to do? I mean, they gave him a lot of shit for for being linked up with Ferrari, the the coach and and doping aficionado out of Italy. I mean, if you're going to be the best, why wouldn't you hook up with the best doping uh, coach in in the world? I mean, mm-hmm. why would you hook up with anyone but the best? Mm-hmm. So we did hook up with the best there. Uh, I mean, but there were some amazing scenes in the 2002 tour 
where you know the rider fell right in front of him and he ended up oh, yeah. riding through a field <laughs> and all even the announcers at the time were were just in amazement that he didn't spill in that moment but somehow even in that moment he was able to you know avoid the rider go through a field get on his bike and still and, win and, that and that that phase. give himself an advantage because he cut through the field he and away from the, the corner uh, you know, I mean, I guess it's legal in, 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 in cycling, uh, where you can, you know, basically get off the path, you know, cut through the bushes and then get back onto the, the path in a shorter route. Um, so, I mean, that was pretty interesting, but if it's legal, then why not do yeah. it? And then also, you know, get away from the fact that, you know, he would have fell down and, you know, probably not have had success in that race. Yeah. I mean, but I, I mean, I, I mean, he, he it, it appears he sincerely cared about the kids he was trying to help. Uh, with the Livestrong Foundation, I mean, there oh, were that, there that, were that was, yeah, it didn't look like it was fake uh, at all. Yeah, I mean, you know, there, there's the whole doping thing, but what he did with the Livestrong Foundation and, uh, you know, the 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 you know the, the cancer charity and raising all the money and the those Livestrong. I mean, me and you, Ben. I mean, you know, just living here in the U.S., I'm not sure if this is a global thing, but just Nike selling those yellow, yellow, yeah, I had, I had one. Yeah, I mean, I know, didn't know why I had it, yeah. but I had it. <laughs> well, I mean, but you're, yeah, I mean, at the same time, you're raising money for, you know. Uh, to treat cancer and 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 you know and and that was one of the good things I mean he, that he did is raise money you know for you know cancer patients I mean all the other stuff <laughs> you know the doping and 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 basically you know cheating and you know that that probably wasn't the greatest one of the one of the, one of the, one of the best points in his life but yeah, I mean, it just seems like was, that's what everybody was doing but even he was honest about i mean that's why i'd love to see barry bonds come out and just be like well fuck you of course i did it everybody <laughs> else was fucking doing it what do you want me to do like i mean that's essentially what lance armstrong said but instead everybody everybody else is sort of a coward about it and he pointed that out at the end like you have people that were doping with me mm-hmm. that are now leaders of bicycle you know cycling organizations and other guys you throw out with the garbage uh what's the difference between those two people mm-hmm. they both doped they both were racers. One is now at the pinnacle, you know, of his career as a, a journalist or a professional, and this other person you just say is is trash, mm-hmm. and that made no sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think he was right about the Livestrong stuff as well. You know, why? You know, this is the 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 American sort of. You know, they throw the baby out with the bathwater too quick. Like, why did he have to step down from an organization that didn't have anything to yeah, do that, with that, cycling? Yeah, exactly. You know, and why, he's the one who started it. Yeah, why would you? Yeah. I mean, it's like Al I mean, Franken he, he, in the Senate. Like, why do you step down? I mean, other other political people are like, "Come get me, yeah. <laughs> you you knock me down." But you know, they 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 sent him down. Uh, I think they. I think it had, I think I don't think he had much choice. I think the board of directors essentially yeah. pushed him out. Mm-hmm. And that was a, a legitimate organization. And that to this day, I mean, the website is up. They they have lots of really good information there. Uh, I thought that was pretty shitty, and I think he was right about that too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, got, I mean, but but I was gonna say, I mean. Yeah, I didn't know what an interesting life he lived. <laughs> you know, I mean, seriously, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, as young as he was to be as successful as he was um, and then to have to, you know, fight and survive, uh, you know, the cancer, which was, I mean, he, he I mean, he had a pretty, a very serious case. I mean, he, he was, uh, I mean, a testicular cancer, brain cancer, lung. I mean, it was basically metastasized through his entire body. He survives that then he gets back into the sport, finds success once again. You know, he he actually I, I didn't even realize he dated all of these famous people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I completely forgot about that. It was huge. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you you kind of forget how big 
He, he was. was at the time. Yeah, you had the woman who whose own doctors weren't telling her about the fertility risks of chemotherapy who now has yep. four children because, because of Lance of Armstrong, uh, because his, her own doctors weren't giving her the information that she needed because mm-hmm. it wasn't, you know, sort of it was probably a male doctor who wasn't thinking like, oh, this person might want to have kids someday. Um, you know, it, it just I, I think that he and and knocking him down from the pedestal, I mean, coming after Michael Jordan for things as well. I mean, why would, why does Lance Armstrong have to be the whipping boy for everybody when all these other guys that were doing the exact same thing aren't, you know, held to the same standard just because he won. Yeah. I mean, that's, Even, that's what it is. You know, because like, so, he was the guy that did win. He was the big name. He was the seven time winner of uh, the Tour de France. Right, so, so he beat the second and third and fourth and fifth place finishers in all those doping. races that were doing the exact same thing, just not, they just weren't the physical athlete that he was. Why shouldn't they suffer the same consequence as he suffered just because he was the winner? Mm-hmm. I mean, he pointed out, you know, look at this pathetic group of clowns that won the Tour after, what, 2005, 2000, whatever, I think it was 2005 was his last race or 2006? Well, uh, yeah, and then and then Floyd Landis, who I completely forgot about, Yeah, uh, seems like a complete douchebag at the same time. I mean, he seems like he's oh, completely yeah. he didn't come off jealous. Well. He's so jealous of, you know, uh, Lance Armstrong and the success that he had and, 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 and sort of the aura around uh, you know, Lance Armstrong, and that's kind of probably what he wanted, but didn't attain that same level of, you know, being famous. Um, and, and, and yeah, he didn't come out that, that, I mean, and, 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 and to this day, Lance Armstrong still hates him. Yeah. Hates and, him. and, and, you know, he, and he suppo- says they call him a scumbag and he says, come prove me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, that, that was pretty, I mean, I almost completely forgot about that. I, I you know, I, I forgot that there was another American winner of the Tour de France after Lance Armstrong. Because all of the things that he wrote and all of the things that he exposed at the time were unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Not, it, it isn't, yeah. it wasn't unnecessary to expose doping, he didn't, he didn't but he did to. it out of spite. He didn't yeah, do it because, exactly. okay, you're coming for me. Okay, I'll spill the beans now. Mm-hmm. He did it out of spite, mm-hmm. out of anger towards, uh, towards Lance Armstrong, which didn't, you know, it didn't make a lot of mistake, you know, sense to me. But he, mm-hmm. he, I mean, he was a bully, bullied a lot of people. I mean, he showed that that clip during the race when the guy, uh, I think the guy was about to talk or he did talk or was going to talk about Lance Armstrong's doping. And he comes up in the middle of the race, puts his hand on his back mm-hmm. and just goes like, puts it, you know, crosses his lips. Essentially, this guy's not going to say shit. Yep. I mean, that's like some bold. Well, I mean, it's a little bit of, a little bit of bullying right there. I mean, because yeah. I mean, you have the the financial backing. Uh, we have enough money to shut the guy up, and and he knew that, and he took advantage of that. So that was that was you know part of the negative parts of oh, there's a the lot documentary. of that. Yeah. I mean, pushing uh, Lamont so away that's, from that's, his Trek contract. Yeah, that's that's also not fair. But uh, you know, that seems like the kind of guy that he was. I mean, but, was, but we want people to be you know successful at all costs. We just don't want to know about those costs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then when we find out about it after the fact, we want to judge him for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, pushing Lamond out of the Trek contract, you know, going after Emma O'Reilly, the the masseuse who talked, mm-hmm. um, you know, all the investigations that were surrounding. I mean, a huge criminal investigation that people to this day still think the Justice Department, you know, ended that investigation through some conspiracy theory. Maybe they just didn't have enough information to charge him. Although I think it's re- kind of ridiculous to charge someone criminally. 
I mean, he did perjure himself. I mean, in the second deposition, like, well, so you lied in the first deposition, <laughs> which is perjury. The second that he admitted to it, right? So you're more so perjury is not a big deal to you. <laughs> but whether or not he was doping along with everybody else, that's a big deal to you. That didn't make a lot of sense. He admits to perjury in the deposition. That to me is a bigger deal than whether or not you were doping along with a thousand other guys that yep. were doping. Yep. Um, you know, I, I I thought that some of the the wife of the of one of his former. Mm-hmm teammates i think was a little bit out of line there i mean i you know she i think testified that you know what he said during a doctor's question and answer session while he was potentially dying of cancer i'm sure a lot of people won't agree with me here but i think when someone answers a doctor's question when you're in in bed with a shaved head because you're going through cancer treatment, you might not want to divulge what's said in that conversation. That a, that's a HIPAA violation. Yeah. Isn't it? Well, if, she, if, <laughs> if, mean, he, if he willingly <laughs> says it, no, but... Yeah, but I mean, that should be kept, you know, between the doctor and the patient. And, and supposedly, you know, she was there because he told her to, you know, stay in right. the room with him. But I mean, who knows exactly what And why wouldn't he be pissed off? I mean, you think you trust this person beyond reproach. You're They're in your room while a doctor mm-hmm. is asking you very personal questions. You think you have a level of trust with that person. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if a doctor comes to my house and asks me questions, I don't expect that you're going to go and you know, start, put it you know, call Twitter the New York Times because I trust you as my friend. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously he has every right to be pissed off, uh, you know, about that. You know, it, it just, uh, it, it, it definitely, I think I agree with Franny. I mean, it really, it showed how complex, you know, he was to, to, to how close he was to Jan Ulrich, the the German rider who almost killed himself mm-hmm. after he got booted from cycling. I mean, clearly he was, you know, you, we were talking before the podcast how shook up he was about that. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I mean, it, it is, it is. But the one thing I didn't get from uh, from this documentary is the genuineness that we got from you know Michael Jordan. Yeah. And, 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 and his responses to, you know, the questions in his documentary. I mean, you know, Lance Armstrong seems a little more guarded in his answers. Even when he's trying to be genuine, he's still a little bit guarded. And a lot of his answers are calculated. Oh, for yeah, sure. I mean, but I mean, it's, it's like everything's done. Everything's over with. You know, I mean, he's been sued multiple times for millions of dollars, you know, just be more genuine. Yeah. You know, you know, there's no reason to, you know, give these sort of cal because you can tell he's thinking in his head, oh, how should sure. I answer this question to not come off as some sort of a douchebag? Because he was, you know, a little bit of there was a you know, some sort of douchebagginess to him. But I mean, just, you know, be genuine now. It's all done. It's all over with. You don't have anything to worry about because I don't think there's any more lawsuits really that yeah. he needs to worry about. Um so I mean I I, I you know I, I didn't appreciate that from him. It's hard. I mean, I, yeah. I was trying to think about it from his perspective. Uh, I mean, other than if it's true, if he called the UCI to get the guy that beat him in the in the stage yeah. <laughs> tested, that would be pretty. That would that would that would be something that I would disapprove of. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that I disapprove of just about anything else that he did in his entire career, other than that one move. If if that in fact did happen, mm-hmm. but I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that the last time I knew anything about the Tour de France was 2005. Yeah. <laughs> That exactly. So, and that's to, one of the positives. That is right. one of the positives because it really brought cycling to the forefront to all of the U.S. Because nobody really paid attention to cycling until Lance Armstrong started winning, and even though he was doping, 
like we've said multiple times, everybody was everybody doping was at that time. It. Yeah, even in, like I said last week, baseball, not everybody is doping in baseball, but no. everyone was doping in cycling. He, he, he tried it without doping and couldn't compete. Mm-hmm. And from his perspective, I mean, he brought cycling... I mean, he was a hero. He's on the SBs. He was over here. He was over there. He was dating models. Mm-hmm. He brought cycling and all that money into cycling. He brought all that money into Nike. He brought all that money into Trek. And then the second that things that went left, Nike's like, bye bye. You know, yeah. they're all, even though they were more than happy to profit mm-hmm. from selling Lance Armstrong shit and Lance Armstrong bicycles and t shirts and gear all over the, but the second that things went left, Nike's like, bye bye. And the post office too. Yeah. And, the, and yeah. USPS and all the other teams. So from his perspective, he's like, I, I brought, you know, cycling to the biggest audience it's ever had on earth. And you're going to treat me like absolute garbage mm-hmm. because I'm the guy that won. Yep. But these other piss ants were doing the same thing and they couldn't get anywhere close to me. I'm the one that has to go down for this. I, I just don't think, I, I think I, I tend to, sympathize and empathize with him more than I begrudge him yeah. what he did. No, I mean, I, I, I never... Because he didn't turn out to be that big of yeah. a dick. I mean, I never really hated the guy. You know, I mean, it came out where he was doping and cheating. I just never realized, you know, how much of that cheating is actually going on in the sport with pretty much everybody. And that, you know, that's that's sort of my takeaway is... And I wonder how much is still going on to this day. You know, you know, for the for the next Tour de France or wherever the Giro d'Italia or whatever, I mean, a lot of these guys are are still probably doping. They're going to continue to dope because that's the only way you can find any sort of success. You know, riding your bike two thousand and some miles. You know, no normal. I mean, you could, but you'd do it a lot slower pace. But you know, no normal person would be able to you know get to the front of the field uh, as, as fast as everybody else has without being on some sort of drug. Yeah, and I so mean, it's and that's why that I... continues. And that's why I tend to take his side in this. You know, I mean, a, a, these a lot of these doping agencies are not on the up and up. And I mean, I think the NFL. You know, there was the show that was on that was on ESPN for about three weeks until they started talking about how p- players in the NFL know when the steroid tests are ha- are going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then what do you know? This the, the NFL called called ESPN. The show was off the off the air the following week. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, it, it, even the, the 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 Olympic Commission, as well as the uh, the the Olympic it's the the what's the soccer agency that that runs the the FIFA mm, yeah, yeah FIFA right uh, and, and that's everyone knows how corrupt that is and oh, yeah. the the <laughs> IOC for I mean the aren't, isn't the World Cup going to be like in in Qatar yeah exactly yeah. where it's going to be 125 <laughs> degrees that just happened by coincidence right and, and and the Olympics is is awarded to to Sochi. A place that well, yeah, doesn't get below seventy degrees during the winter time, yeah. <laughs> and that's just by coincidence. So I, I, I tend to agree with Lance Armstrong in that you know if you're going to come after me, you better come after everybody else, yeah, and be honest about what's actually happening happening in the world of sports, and don't just make me your scapegoat. Yeah, but it was also pretty interesting that he came back. I mean, he he really could have gotten away scot free, but then he if came he back. didn't come back in two thousand and nine, I mean, if if he just had. You know, if he was just happy with being a seven-time champion, something that never anybody has ever done before, if he just stayed away from the sport, we wouldn't even be talking about this. There would be no documentary. Yeah. And and uh, and that was his, that was maybe yeah. his one his one uh, downfall. There was that was all ego. Yeah. He essentially watched the clowns that were winning and was like. If this if this if this guy can win, I can, so can win. I. I can win. So I and and it was and I, and I and that's why I think people should support 
uh, Lance Armstrong more mm-hmm. because the reason he came back because he thought it was bad for cycling. Yeah. He thought it made cycling look bad to have this level of champion. And I, I think that he, he gets not enough credit. He doesn't get enough credit. Yeah, and I, I completely agree, especially if, it's, if the same amount of doping is going on right now. Then, yeah. And I'm sure it is. All right, Franny, you have anything else to say about Lance? No, it was good. It was better than I expected, actually. Yeah, me too. Me too. I cried a little bit. Yeah. I laughed a little bit. <laughs> ah. You know, <laughs> I don't. I don't believe that you cried, but yeah. <laughs> uh, when he when he started winning, I did because I remember how emotional it was at the time in the U.S. Uh, because I'm shocked. You then. know, we never we never succeeded at those types of events before in 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 the U.S. It's almost it's like winning, you know, some you know a dream team. You know, we never win in basketball. We won that. Never won in basketball. What are you talking no, about? Before <laughs> the dream team. Before the dream yeah, team. Yeah, they did. Did they? Yeah. Or some they were still winning. Or that was just some sport that we sucked better. at. <laughs> or some sport that we sucked at before. All right, Franny, what's next up on the big board? Uh, next up on the big board, Ben, is our shot of the week. All right. Hold tight, everybody. We'll be right back with our shot of the week. All right, and we are back with our shot of the week. This is a portion of the show that I have not been able to partake in for, for a quite a while now uh, because Ben has been our guinea pig and he's been the one drinking the shots and sampling and reviewing them. But finally, we are together and I can take a shot with Ben. And tonight we have a shot inspired by the summer. Well, I think a few have been because it's been hot since about May here in Southern California. It's been about at least 90 degrees almost every single day. Today was a little bit cooler. uh, But Ben, tonight our shots are supposed to look like watermelon. Um, It is uh, concocted with a little bit of melon liqueur, uh, some vodka, some apple pucker, uh, some grenadine poured down uh, at the bottom there, and also some black sprinkles that are supposed to look like, you know, the black seeds that you get in a watermelon. And uh, so what are we calling this shot? It is the melon Kahali. Melon Kahali. <laughs> uh, Sunday came up with that. And I was like, yeah, well, let's, let's roll with it. Fine. Whatever. Right. It sounds good. It's, it sounds it's fitting good. for the it week. It sounds a little sad. Uh, and, and uh, you know, I mean, you know, for summer, it's not usually sad because summer, everyone loves summer break. But, uh, you know, yeah, everybody's just, outside right now. It apparently. just sounded, it just sounded. It sounded good. And Sun usually comes up with some pretty good names for these shots, Ben. And so finally, we can take a shot together. Yeah, it's summertime. I mean, I don't remember being this many people out on the street in the summer. And Looks like more than normal. Cheers, Ben. Cheers to you. A lot of fireworks going off, that's yeah. for sure. And, uh, and and again, we apologize if you can hear that on the podcast. We have Frane's shot song playing in the background. But again, what's in this exactly? I, I, I know you just told me, but one more yeah. time. Vodka? I know you love vodka, Ben. Always love vodka. <laughs> and a little bit of melon liqueur, uh, some apple pucker, Ooh. and grenadine. All right, let's do it. All right, cheers to you, Ben. And they have a nice green color on top. It's sort of a layered shot. Uh, the yeah. grenadine flo- uh, sinks to the bottom, so it's that sort of pinkish with the green. It, it kind of looks like uh, like a watermelon. You can find the pics on Instagram and on Twitter. Yeah, hard for me to pull off the layered shot. We proved over the last few weeks. Well, that's why I yeah. started putting them together. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. That's pretty tasty. Actually, 
tangier than I expected. Well, maybe that's the apple pucker. At the end, you get a little bit of a watermelon flavor at the end. There's a little, yeah. At the very end. Because you get that sweetness from the grenadine. Uh, you mean the vodka? You can feel the burn from the vodka. Um, you get a little bit of tanginess, but you're getting a little bit more of that sweetness that kind of mimics mm-hmm. the taste or the flavor of watermelon. And we short we sort of uh, changed up the recipe for this shot. I mean, we get a lot of our shots from Tipsy Bartender. We sort of changed this one up, or you know, switched up a little bit. Um, and I think it's it's uh, it's pretty good. This is actually one of our you know sweeter shots. I know uh, the last few weeks, Ben, you've had some terrible shots that you had to there were a few of them. sip down. And uh, this one... The chunky ones, especially. The, the chunky ones. Yeah, those don't go down that well. I mean, <laughs> no. it's just the um, the texture <laughs> in your mouth. You're just not used to eating your drink. And that's what those were, yeah. basically. It was that thick, yogurty, almost coagulated, yeah. uh, whatever it was, Bailey's or, 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 or the... Um, uh, what was that? Uh, the rum chata. Yeah. Also. Oof. Yeah. Uh, that. What, what, but it was your fault, though, man. For you left it in the, in the fridge. Yeah. If you just left it out in 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 room temperature, actually, it was pretty warm the last few weeks. That's true. Uh, it would actually sort of melt or not melt, but at least it wouldn't coagulate, and so uh, you know you wouldn't have that texture in your mouth. But that was pretty good. That was that good. was very good. Uh, that's actually a great summer shot. It actually is better than I expected. It's it's it is refreshing. It's sweet. It's tangy. It's uh it's everything that you want from a summer shot. Yeah, and, and for everybody out there that's coming out of their shell, that's starting to hang out again, that's starting to have people over to their house or go to bars that are social socially distanced or dinners. Yeah, I had a buddy that went to a, a bar recently. I don't know if it was in LA County, uh, but he went to a bar that he said wasn't very socially distanced. Yeah, no, it's impossible. It's you can't keep people away from each other. I mean you you I mean you, you can't have a, a a separate table. I mean especially when people start drinking and they start intermingling and everything. It's just not going to happen. So you hope that alcohol does its job in killing yes, whatever virus exactly, you exactly. have, you know, in your throat. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean I'm not uh you know, I I think LA County will do a pretty good job of it generally speaking. Uh, but yeah, this is a great shot if you're going to have people over uh, you're starting to hang out with family and friends again, you know, definitely, definitely look this shot up and give Fran a huge props every single week. He does this, uh, comes up with a new shot. We are going on probably about 70 weeks, uh, of yeah, podcast where probably. he has come up with a unique shot. Uh, sometimes we borrow it from tipsy bartender. Sometimes we tweak it a little bit, uh, but he always comes up with an original shot every single week for you folks and we give you our genuine opinion about it and this one you know if you have plans for july 4th uh your pools are opening you have people coming over this is a great shot relatively also, low alcohol content not crazy high in the alcohol content it'd be a good jello shot oh, actually, if, if you want to add a little shot. bit of uh, jello to this and uh, you have those little cups and everything that um that you can kind of pop it out of uh that would that would be a good cold Jello shot. That's actually really good. And the colors would be perfect if you're serving watermelon with this. Yeah, I will call it the June Chetrun shot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that, uh, you know, Chetrun uh, <laughs> is the more Dalmatianized uh version of that Croatian word. I don't, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people in Croatia wouldn't even recognize oh, what really? that means. Watermelon? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think in uh, actual Croatian is Lubenica. I think that's how, how you say watermelon, whereas uh, our part of town uh, in Dalmatia 
Yeah, very yeah, interesting. Giving, they have giving, uh, giving folks a multiple, geography <laughs> lesson. Multiple, <laughs> multiple words for watermelon in Croatia, but only one word for strawberry, blueberry, no, raspberry, for blackberry. There's, there's quite a few. Well, actually, well, there's, there's there's a few for strawberry, but Yagoda <laughs> is basically a whole. It's like uh, uh, all the berries. I'm all like, the berries. Yeah. I'm like, well, how do you say raspberry? Yagoda. How do you say blueberry? Yagoda. I was like, well, do you have, have different words for all the different berries? Like, some are blue, some are red. Some it's are, a berry. You know. I'm like, okay. Is there, is there a pronunciation different? Like, like to to know like whether you're eating raspberries or whether you're yeah. eating blueberries. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I don't know if I've ever had a blueberry over there. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure if, if, I mean, pro- I'm sure there are, I'm sure yeah, the there climate, are. You know? The climate seems like yeah, it'd be right for yeah, it. But I'm sure there are. I'm sure you can buy them in the, you know. The but that's there. what I missed this summer. I will not lie. Uh, it doesn't look like we'll be able to go. Who knows? Um, but those black, that we well, call like them the, black caps back East. Yeah. But they're like a blackberry. They grow on a pricker bush mm-hmm. and they're everywhere. Oh, over yeah. in they grow where, wild. You grew, where they grow, your family they, they grow up. wild and and you can just pick them off the side of the road and they're you know they're on the outside of the road probably those are probably not the best ones but the ones that are sort of removed from the road is a little bit that are a little more fresher and less uh you know carbon monoxide in them the, <laughs> those are, are 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 yeah pretty tasty yeah but they're they're really good and they're free so yeah, yeah just like the figs yeah just like the figs all right Franny, what is next up on the big board next up on the big board man we have our beverage of the week, which I am so excited. Oh, me too. Me too. To try. Me too. And I've been tempted to take a sip of this because I had this at my home. Oh, and the house. coloring on the oh, box I love, is really, the, really Glenn nice. Livet, Glenn Livet did an excellent job with marketing uh, this particular beverage. I mean, it's got little palm trees on it. I mean, uh, the, the color. I mean, I don't even know what you would describe the, the Glenn Livet. Caribbean or a Caribbean, however you want to pronounce that, reserve uh, aged in rum barrels. And um, this is probably the nicest bottle of Glenlivet just because of the, of the coloring of it. And it's I'm not beautiful. Sure. It's almost like a pinkish uh, orange, a little bit of red. I mean, it's it peach. I mean, it, it, I mean, the color is It's a is really perfect. great yeah. box. I yeah. mean, the box is. And and the bottle too. I mean, look at look at is really with really the, nice. That same color on the bottom there. But this this not is not something actually, you'd expect coming out of Scotland. This is a very new offering from Glenlivet. It's I think it's one of their newest offerings. I'm not sure how widely available it is, but it's not very expensive. It's only about it's under forty dollars. It's about thirty five bucks, thirty six, thirty seven, whatever, somewhere around there. But it's under forty dollars, and I'm so excited to try it because it is a new offering. And you know, Ben, how much I love Glenlivet. Uh, you love the 12, you love the 14, you love the, is there 15, a 13? Uh, the 12, the 14, the 15. The 18 the double, you're not a big fan of the though, double, right? Oh, no, the 18 is good. I just prefer the 15 more than the 18. Um, I mean, I wish I could afford, I mean, I could buy their 25 or whatever, but I'm, I'm not willing to spend that much money on it. Eventually, hopefully, you know, I can definitely try that. But I mean, I love all of their offerings from Glenlivet, and this is another one that I'm excited to taste. Yeah, and the great irony is when I first, you know, when Franny and I first started drinking scotch, I thought that like Johnny Walker Green was the best scotch in the world. Uh, couldn't afford the blue, but I was like, oh, Johnny Walker Green, that's amazing stuff. Uh, so I was quite the novice. When, and we're still when, technically novices. I mean, we're not pros. We just love trying different scotches and ryes and bourbons. We just love to give our honest opinion on what we think. For a lot of novices out there, not everybody's a professional connoisseur of you know scotches or you know brown beverages. And not even the professionals are as professional yeah. as they think they are. <laughs> 
Um, but we've honed it. I mean, we we definitely like the Isla Scotches. We definitely like the rye, generally speaking, more, more than, than we like the bourbons. And the straight up whiskeys, especially the Irish whiskeys, we haven't really, really found one. That, yeah. The Kilbrin. That the one was actually was not good. bad because yeah. it tasted more like a scotch. Yeah. That's why we liked it because it mimicked something that we actually do enjoy drinking. But the other ones, we haven't really been a big fan of the Irish. So we're 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 honing our skills. Uh, but this is uh, we'll get to a little information about this one. This is the Glen Levitt Caribbean or Caribbean Reserve uh, to create a whiskey with a tropical feel. The makers finished a portion of the smooth whiskey in barrels that previously held Caribbean rum. The result is a well-balanced and exceptionally smooth whiskey. Single malt. Meet me in the summer. Couldn't help it. The cask (laughs) is oak barrel, selectively finished in barrels that previously held Caribbean rum. The flavor is bold, smooth, and tropical. The finish is well-balanced and exceptionally smooth. The nose is sweet notes of pear and red apple that meet a fabulous tropical twist of ripe bananas in syrup. The palate is rich caramel toffee notes followed by flavors of tropical fruit. And the food pairings are are enjoy with giant neat on the rocks topped with coconut water or in a Mai Tai. Interesting. Uh, What's the proof on that, Franny? I can't get this from... I mean, I would guess it's probably 80. It is 80 proof, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I'm not going to turn this music off if we're going to taste it. I like the music. I mean... I actually enjoy the but if we, Caribbean or Caribbean type music. Though. Yeah, I'm not sure which is correct. I think yeah. I usually say Caribbean, but then I feel like is that right? Yeah, is that wrong? Is that racist? I'm not okay. sure. Like <laughs> or not? Well, like you're not you're not giving it the 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 respect that you that it deserves to remember how to pronounce it correctly. But I think it, I think Caribbean is right. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but ha- have we had a scotch that was aged in rum barrels? Rum barrels, or even a bourbon? I know we, had, we had sherry casks. We had we had one a while back. Well, I think we had, it was actually a, just a sipping rum. I think it was a sippable rum, um, and that one was extremely sweet. I would expect some sweetness from this being aged in rum uh, barrels. Um, but let's let's give it a sniff, Ben. You got the cup there in front of you with the uh, the Glencairn glass in front of you. Cheers to you. It's ooh, it smells. It's actually lighter. Not as sweet as I would have expected, actually, on the, on the nose. Just a little bit of sweetness, a little bit of fruitiness. But it's not it's it's not it, a very strong sort of scent that you get from it. I mean, it's it's on the nose, it's it's very soft. It's not but nowhere near as sweet as I expected. Hmm. Wow. Ah. Uh, I mean, it smells nice. I mean, it, it smells Oh, it smells great. I just expected, I think I expected a little bit more of a like banana a, yeah. sweetness to it's it. It's almost like syrupy, but I'm not, I mean, a little bit of fruit, but not as much as I thought I would get from it. And a little more spirity than I expected for for what it is. You're sticking your nose too deep inside. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do have a large nose, folks, so it's hard to keep nah, it. It's not, no, it's not, Ben. <laughs> All right, so let's sip on this. Right, is, this. This is this is literally my first sip All right. of this. I was so tempted, Ben, 
It was sitting there, and the packaging is so beautiful. I wanted to open it up and just take a sip, but this is my first sip. Yeah, because the of irony this of this is now that you're here, yeah. all I can think about is going to get that art bag after we yeah. uh, after we finish the podcast to get drink that after the show with you. Uh, yeah, it's nice. All right, it's almost like a. I'm getting almost like a wine from it. Ah, uh, wow. Um. I'm getting a lot of more, banana. More, more tight, more spicy than I expected on the on the initial palate. I got a lot of a lot of banana. Um, it's almost like they forced a little banana there. Um, interesting taste. I like the music. I'm not getting a, a ton of complexity in there, are you? Yeah, no, it's it's not it's not very complex. I mean, I expected it to taste more like was it was it the Balvany uh 12 or 14 that's also aged in rum barrels where you get a, a lot of sweetness and you get some smoothness on the back end. Um but this one there's not much sweetness there. I would I would actually like a little bit more sweetness. I mean, it's very smooth. It's very easy, very drinkable. Um, but I expect a little bit more flavor from this. I mean, it's an enjoyable drink. You can sit back and 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 throw down a couple of these and enjoy it still, but it's not complex though. You know, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't really make you think about the flavors that are coming through. You get a lot of banana. Yeah, Maybe I just mean, a little bit of honey. I do like the spice. The spice that's coming through. You know, I would definitely recommend it to someone who is looking for a scotch with a little bit of a different energy and almost i mean it's almost like um the glenlivet 12 which is you know a very good offering for a 12 year old scotch for about 25 dollars with a little bit more banana flavor added to it um but that's pretty much all i'm getting from it i mean you know i really did expect a little bit more sweetness being aged in you know rum barrels, uh, you know I'm not going to say this is a, this is a not it's that it's not a good offering. It's just it's not as complex as I thought it might be. Uh, yeah, I feel like it's got a two. You know the the the, the fourteen, um, that that tastes, you know, it has some flavors of a cognac sort of in there with the sweetness. And aged in cognac barrels, I mean you can or or. or I think it was cognac. I can't remember exactly, but yeah, I think so. It, it was, it was, it was, it was. That one was a little bit more complex. Had a little bit of extra burn to it. This one seems a little more smoother than that one. Um, but it's good. Not bad. It, I mean, I think that the I mean, for flavor the range, and too. the quality of yeah, the, if, if this was like the scotch is good. If this was sixty bucks, I'd be disappointed. But you know, being around thirty-five dollars. This is this is a good scotch for $35. It has, you know, a few other flavors that you might not get from other Glenlivets. Um, so I'm not completely disappointed in it. I'd call it a two-banger. Yeah. <laughs> this is my description. This is my new description. Uh, it's got a it's got a little bit of a spice and a hit of complexity when it first hits your palate. That little sweetness with the banana. And that's more it. spice it's, than it's I expected. Like a bang, too. Bang. More it, spice than I expected. That's for sure. Uh, on the back of the tongue, you, you get that spice, 
But what I what I do really enjoy is the smoothness. Oh, I mean, it goes smooth. down so easily. It's very smooth. I mean, it's I don't actually, know if I'd mix it. I would mix it. I would mix it. I mean, I think they said a Mai Tai or something else, but I, mm. I, I uh, don't think I'd, I would I'd mix it. I'd probably use something cheaper for for a mixer, for but a Mai Tai. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mix. You know, yeah, well, you know, thirty. Depends, depends how much on, money yeah, you have, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. If you're uh, Jerry Jones, you can always yeah. make this with uh, a uh, twenty-five year. Yeah, you could. <laughs> you could get a. You could have you know whatever the most expensive Caribbean rum cask scotch is although it would conflict with the white couch the white walls <laughs> and the white carpet in your 1980s inspired yacht hmm i mean where, where would you rate this ben where would you rate this on our thirst and goal rating scale of scotches where would you rank this one wow it's a tough one you know, I think I would give this, and I know I give a lot of things, a 7. But this, I would give a 7 because of its smoothness. It, there's no burn. For 90 proof. Going down, 80 proof. For for <laughs> Sorry, 80 proof. For going down, My mistake. For going down so Fuck easily. You. So it's smooth. 80 proof. <laughs> yeah, damn it, Ben. Damn it. Uh, no, this is, it's, it's, it's good. I just expected more from it. It's, it's, it's. It's better than a five and a six. It's it's above average, but I expected so much more. Yeah, I'm just really conflicted about this one. Because I do enjoy... There is that spicy complexity right when it hits your palate. And after, like when it goes down, the back of your tongue, you get and, that and on the spiciness. Back you get that banana, you get the honey, a little bit of vanilla. But you expect that from a scotch. So you expect the honeys. You expect... The vanillas. I'm just trying Maybe to figure out how molasses. I would, but you know how it would, would compare it to the Glenlivet, the 12 or the 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 15, or the Glenmorang Glen Is that close? I, we've had some. Yeah. yeah, we've had a few of those. Just trying to. I would probably give it. I hate to give it the same score, but I'd give it a seven. Mm-hmm. I can't go as high as eight. But I don't want to go as low as six because it's got that spice that I like. It's got the complexity. A little bit complex. I mean, on the much. on the front, 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 front. But it, but but it's like bang bang. It's like here's some complexity, gone. Mm-hmm. Here's a little bit of spice or uh, to a little bit of sweetness, gone. So it's sort of like a bang bang on your palate. I'm waiting for that third bang. And the color is nice. I mean, the color is nice. It's uh, a light golden color to it but uh yeah I, th- I think about a seven especially within that price range 35 dollars. it's a solid scotch that i think the majority of folks would enjoy oh for sure and i just closed my eyes and thought about being in cabo <laughs> or being in the bahamas or being on an island that's much more expensive or in that area in the caribbean that we can't afford uh and sitting at the bar Nine o'clock, nine thirty, ten o'clock at night, and you're not drunk, but you're not you're feeling good, and the ocean breeze is blowing, the Caribbean air is blowing in your face, and you order a scotch, and they put this in front of you. You could drink it very, very. You could easily. drink it very easily, and it would fit in that scenario very, very nicely. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when you paint the picture, Ben. Uh... <laughs> 
It would. I mean, I'm just sitting on. I'm uh, sitting I, on the stool. I got my flip flops on. I got a, a, a you know a, a soft collared shirt on, sort of open part of the way because it's warm, <laughs> and some nice shorts, some linen shorts or something, and I could see this really hitting the spot for a couple hours. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, good, but not what I expected. Exactly. Need to be in the right environment with the right state of mind. Oh, I'd be able to drink this easily um because <laughs> it is so smooth i just expected more all right so Franny, you give it a seven and ben you also give it a seven i do indeed <laughs> uh so folks we'll do this every single week and thank you again to Franny, who buys all of our scotches our bourbons our rye's and brings them our cognacs as well and he has a different offering for us Every single week that is well-researched and well-investigated uh, and he ventures to the bowels of the liquor stores and the Total Wines of Los Angeles to bring these things to us. Yeah, uh, yeah. So kudos to Franny for being able to bring but I, us. I was really, I, I seriously was excited to see this on the shelf because it is a new offering. I'm not sure how widely available it, uh, widely available it is uh, because actually I was going to order it online and pick it up in the store and online they didn't actually have it available so i didn't think it was in the store but i ventured into the store with my mask on with everybody else there with their mask on Uh, i didn't think there would be that many people um you know a few weeks ago when i picked up all the other drinks and this one i was so excited to see this orange pinkish peaches peaches box and 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 uh i had to i had to just grab it yeah i mean i was thinking of getting something else but i'm like i see that i'm getting it I mean, I, I actually think it would be worth uh, $45, $50 just to have the box mm-hmm. sitting in your liquor cabinet. Yeah. When people come over and you open the liquor cabinet and they see that box, mm-hmm. they might not want to drink it, but yeah. it would be impressive I just mean, if, to if, look if, at it. If you're somebody that has the Glenlivet 12-year as your uh, within your collection all year round because that's a solid scotch uh if you want to pay ten dollars more and throw this glenlivet caribbean reserve in there if you want to pay just a little bit more it's it's worth it i think it's slightly better yeah than that it has a, a slightly different uh characteristic and um the smoothness of it is is excellent yeah for sure all right friday what's next up on the big board next up on the big board ben is our beer of the week all right, hold tight, everyone. We will get our beer, which is the Dudes Brewing Company. Bruh. Blood Orange. Here we go again. Blood Orange Amber, we're dude. Annoy all listeners. <laughs> so we're gonna, so we're gonna get one of those or two of those ready, and we'll be right back. All right, and we are back with our beer of the week, which is from the dudes. Dude. <laughs> Brewing company, bruh. It actually, that is the name. It's the dudes. Brewing company. Yeah, bruh. You have some information for us? Yeah, they're in, uh, they're everywhere, dude. They're in Santa Monica, bruh. Anaheim. Torrance, Santa Clarita, and Hollywood, bro. Nah, we. Yeah, they're from the beach, bro. The dude abides. Apparently inspired by uh, the Big Lebowski, which is where this was it name, really? Yeah, oh, where man. the name came from. 
which is one of the all-time best movies okay. in the history of the world. All right. Uh, this is the Juice Box series. It's the Blood Orange Amber Eel. Amber Ale. Eel? <laughs> Amber Hale. In a four-pack. Uh, orange Southern whip. Comfort Lime. <laughs> Damn Southern Comfort Lime. And being together, finally, for the first time in 10 weeks. Uh, orange Whip, anyone? Orange Whip, anyone? Three Orange Whips. Here's a brew that will appeal to you. Oh, my God. Who wrote this? A tantalizing blend of cocoa nib, vanilla bean, and hand hand zested California blood orange flavors. I have a hard time believing people are like, I don't know if there's anybody over there like zesting it, hand zesting it, but it's a good story. Uh, flavors make this dude semi sweet yet silky smooth. Every sip is bursting with creamy chocolatey citrus flavor. And at 6.5% dude by volume, it's sure to get your blood pumping or the opposite, which is what alcohol is meant to do. <laughs> Aren't you glad you picked this up? Oh my God. Uh, so, so the, the, uh, the advertisement or the, the, uh, description from the company is a little interesting. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. what do you think of the color? The, the, it's actually, it's actually much darker and murkier than I expected. I expected it to be, you know, a brighter, golden, more orangey sort of color, but it, it is, it's dark. Dude, it looks filthy like the Pacific. Yeah, bro. I can't see. It actually, it smells hoppy. Not overly hoppy, though. It's with an a amber, which is bit, nice. With a little bit of zest. It's hand, I think that's zested, hand zested, dude. Yeah. But I mean, it almost it almost smells like there is some orange zest in it. I don't doubt it, dude. Yeah. <laughs> we got volunteers from Santa Monica to put it in there, dude. Hey, Kyle. Uh, what? what? <laughs> you want to zest this, bro? Uh, Kyle, get Cody to do it. <laughs> I was about to say, about to say Cody also. <laughs> yeah, those are those are. <laughs> Those are familiar names when you're zesting orange. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I stole Cody from Friday from last week. Yeah, bro. Uh, but what do you think of the smell? The smell is... Maybe, or the nose is... It's got orange maybe zest. Maybe Blake? Hey, Blake. Oh, Blake, dude. <laughs> oh, no, he's down on the pier, man. Oh, uh, no, man. I think he's still hitting on, like... <laughs> Jacqueline? <laughs> no, nah, not Jacqueline. It would be it wouldn't be Jacqueline. It would be uh, uh I think uh Rebecca. Rebecca, no, Rebecca sound yeah. I think Rebecca's more of an eighties uh girls yeah, uh, yeah, sort yeah. of I'm trying to think uh, of yeah, what the Yeah, the, I don't know. We're not we're not we're, times. we're we, yeah, I know see we're we're too old for this already. <laughs> all right, we're, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah. We're too old for this, Ben. <laughs> yeah. Well you have you ever seen um you've seen uh Days to Confuse, no? Actually, I've never seen it. Oh my! Oh, you have I've never seen oh, Days and Confused. Come on, man! Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really. Was, yeah, 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 yeah. That was my that was my <laughs> life in the eighties. I mean, really? I, I wasn't the Matthew McConaughey character. Yeah. I was the high school kid characters. But I was. But all yeah. right, all right, all right. Yeah, he went riding with Snoop a couple weeks ago, and he actually uh, now the Matthew McConaughey's of today are driving Lincoln's Ben. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. I went to the Carl's Junior, and Snoop was like, "You don't recognize this guy for all the commercials he does for you." Oh, Days to Confuse is probably one of my. It's definitely. Yeah, I, I think all I watch time every favorite. time. Every time I say I didn't watch that movie, everyone's like, "Oh my god!" But then again, I don't watch a lot of movies. I don't oh, know. I'm just that not was. Like, but that was. If you want to know what my high school life was like, 
That's what it was. That was what it was yeah. like. Yeah. Mine, I wouldn't say was like that because I don't know what the hell that <laughs> is. I never watched it. But it was more uh, rural. It was, yeah. I mean, it was, that was, you know, and I knew a character like Matthew McConaughey. I mean, I knew a few <laughs> characters like Matthew McConaughey. Luckily, I wasn't one of them. Um, but that's where that famous line is from, you know. You know, that's why I like what about is a high 2000s, school girls. A 2000s movie that could describe my life in high school. Because that's the time I went, but you went around. Well, actually, we were a little bit before that. In the 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that wasn't an a 80s movie. It was, it? A, it was a 90s movie that was supposed to portray the 80s, mm-hmm. though. Um, Yeah. Not sure. But anyways, let's give a shop in. To, that's what I like about high school smells. girls. The older I get, they stay the same age. <laughs> That doesn't sound like Matthew McConaughey. It, was, it doesn't sound like him, but that's what that was one of my all-time favorite lines. Oh yeah, yeah. All right, here we go. Cheers, Ben. Cheers. Sorry, I but can't believe one, you've never seen that movie, and I'm I glad know, yeah, that yeah, other yeah. people have criticized you for the same thing. I know. I mean, uh, there's been a lot. I mean, I seriously didn't watch Star Wars until almost recently. I it's, would, if I had to pick the, of the two, I would say watch Days to Confused because yeah, it's a I better mean, movie. I, well, I mean, it depends on the Star Wars that you're watching, but. I would say Dazed and Confused is better than any of the Star Wars movies. But the smell of it, though, it's not overpowering. It's not strong. It's hoppy. It's hoppy. It's fruity. It's got a little bit of a tang to it. The flavor is not... You know what? It's actually way different than I expected. Not what I would have expected from an animal. You know that orange... um, Chocolate candy, the one that you kind of crush and it and it falls into like peels, like the. Or, the, have, like you, the have you been watching the uh, the hydraulic piston show, like where they crush everything? No, no, but it's like you know it comes in. It, it's like wrapped in foil. It's like blue foil, and then you like you're supposed to like hit it, like pound it, and then it, and then it falls into separate slices. Okay. Almost like do you know what I'm talking about? I don't. All right. Well, it tastes like orange uh, chocolate. <laughs> like orange chocolate root beer, or is it just? It's just it has chocolate. It has like that. It hits you with the chocolate, but then with the orange, huh. right? I mean, are you getting that? Or am I? Doing oh, it? oh, I yeah. am getting it. Oh, okay. I just don't. I don't. This is. A, I'm gonna get you some a California I'm gonna, I'm gonna get candy. You, it's gonna, like red vines. I'm gonna get you that particular candy that oh, I'm okay. talking about, Sounds and then like you a... bite into not peels. I meant uh, <laughs> say the slices, but um, you know, sudden comfort. It's it's uh. It's not as robust on the flavor as I thought it would be. Uh, I, I like thought it a, would be a little bit. I like it. You know, it's actually pretty interesting because it really reminds me, and I can't remember which candy that is. That's oh, good though. But it's it's chocolatey, and it has some or it has that orange citrusy finish to it, with a um a little bit of like that IPA, like sort of you know, like that that um. That that hop that kind of yeah. kicks you at for the an end. amber, for an amber, I'm shocked. I mean, this is this is, and it disappears pretty quickly. It doesn't yeah. leave much of an aftertaste. You get a lot of the flavor up front. Uh, it goes down smooth. You get those flavors. It's gone, and it and it and it keeps you coming back for more. This is it's actually got a little pop, bro, bro, bro. Like those other ones that we tried from San Diego. Actually, no, this is no, this is from LA bro. County. Actually, this is LA County. But the other one that we tried. That one was good. Had a lot of hoppiness to it. You know, it, it kind of, <laughs> you know, had that sort of California vibe. Uh, but this one is interesting. It's a very it interesting beer. It doesn't stick around long, dude. In your palate, just hmm. like, you know, I don't like the high school girls to stick around too long, dude. 
Uh, it's good. It's good, Ben. I mean, I, actually, this is this is. You Are know, you impressed I with usually... one of my first choices <laughs> ever? Now, thank God you're coming back here, so now I don't have to buy the beers anymore. I'm like, Franny's gonna I hate usually, this one. And you know, I, I should probably venture out and get some of the you know fruity beers every once in a while because we've enjoyed the mango ones uh, and some of the fruitier beers in the past. Uh, but this one is actually very interesting. It's actually quite complex, and I'm surprised. I didn't expect that from this particular beer, especially with the graphics on the can. It looks like a marketing gimmick more than anything. But then the flavor is pretty Yeah, it's good. It's I mean, Friday usually is like, what's the oldest Bavarian village I can find <laughs> On this label. And that's what I'm going to how bring. How long have these Belgian monks <laughs> how long, been brewing this how beer? Long is this be- I'm going to call their headquarters. How far, <laughs> how far up the tree it, do these people live when they brew of, this beer? Instead of ringing, it's like that European boop. Boop. Yeah, you just hear like it just ringing. And, they're, and, they, and they have to like tell the neighbor. It's like, hello. Who's call- <laughs> U.S. is calling. Uh, Okay, and they they go from house to house and they yell Hello, US sir. is calling until yeah, you get me. to he's in the field just, somewhere, like hunting for truffles. Hello, sir. Yes, how may I help you? <laughs> We've been brewing this beer since sixteen thirty seven. Oh yeah, I do like it. This is very good. Does it meet your American standards? <laughs> This one, yeah, because Friday definitely brings some of the the old school European beers to the yeah. house. Yeah. Which I, I'm happy I mean, to try. You know, you want to try, you know, those beers. That's where beer started. <laughs> That's, you know, where they brewed it and they didn't even mean to brew it. They just fell into a puddle with some hops and everything. Like, <laughs> let's drink this this uh, sparkling, you know, muddy water. Yeah, if the monk didn't brew it, Franny doesn't want to taste it. If it wasn't like during the, the period of the Crusades, he's like, no, it's too modern. It's too modern. 1873, not old enough. No, you know not what? even close. <laughs> we need to go back into the dark ages with this beer. But this one is actually, this is a very good beer. I actually, I, I'm actually very surprised. I'm shocked at how good and drinkable and enjoyable this beer is. Yeah, I mean, it's got enough body to it. It's got a, a complexity, a flavor. It's got depth. And, I mean, for the dudes, I mean, I'm shocked, actually. I like that. that I mean, you get the chocolate up front, and then it finishes with that citrusy, like, strong orange. I mean, it, it really... I mean, we're making fun of that orange zest, like, yeah. but it it does taste like orange zest. Yeah, and I love blood oranges. I have a blood orange tree in my yard. Yeah. I mean, I love blood orange soda, blood orange candy. This is definitely something that I can see myself going back to. And pr- like a lot of the beers, we just try and we're like, you know, that was good, but then we never purchase it again. Whereas this one, I could see myself, you know, going to the store, seeing this on the shelf, be like, oh yeah, that was really good. I'm gonna get it again. And I'm pining for our days of traveling. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and we went to Vienna last year, and I had the Otakringer, the, it was like a lemon, it was yeah, almost it like was, a lemony, yeah. uh, zesty type of beer. And they don't have the Otakringer, which is pretty interesting, because it seems like Otakringer is very popular in Austria, but it, it seems like a large brew with many offerings, and they don't have it here. No, and and this this, for the color of it, the boldness of it, the the, the thickness of the beer, mm-hmm. uh, it feels like I could drink it yeah. in August in warm weather without any problem at all. Mm-hmm. And that's a, a rarity because, I mean, usually you want to drink a lighter beer like a Pilsner or, a, you know, something a little bit lighter like a, a, a Karlovacko or a, a Lashko, which I like a lot. 
Pilsner Raquel. Pilsner Raquel. This one has a depth to it and a, a body yeah, it, to it. It definitely does. And, I mean, but it is, it's still nice in the warm weather. If, if anybody out there enjoys, you know, the you know, darker beers and, 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 and like that chocolatey flavor or that coffee sort of, I mean, this doesn't have much coffee in it, but I mean, if the, if you are into those sorts of beers, but want something a little more refreshing, this has that plus that refreshing citrusy note afterward. And I'm, I'm shocked, but this is actually a very, very good. I'm not, I'm sorry. I hate to say I'm shocked because you bought it, but I, you know that that I'm Dales, shocked that a beer that you bought doesn't that, suck balls. No, that Dale's that Dale's is also that really Dales good too. Good. I really See, like I know, that I, one too. I'm not, I'm not completely on uh, left field. No, you, well, you you're you're more of a beer drinker than I am. Um, but this is a very good offering, and if we were to rate this on our scale of beers, I would say this is an eight. And a half, if I could give it an eight and a half, not exactly a nine, but an eight and a half. This is this is up there. This is up there. I would give it, dude. Can't believe it's called the Dudes Brewing Company. I'm gonna give it a nine. Yeah, very enjoyable. Oh, that's really good. I'm mm-hmm. actually surprised by how how I when I saw the re- the reviews and I read the description on the website I thought well, are the reviews not that good? No, the reviews are actually good, but they didn't seem like they were particularly well thought through. Mm-hmm. Uh the reviews that I read and I and Well, I think a lot of a lot of a lot of beer drinkers, a lot of you know like the folks that go out there and drink a lot of beers and enjoy their beer, um they they sort of shy away from the fruity beers. And I don't understand why. I mean, this one is actually, like you said, it's full-bodied. It has, you know, a lot of flavor. And, and I mean, it's it's complex. It's a, it's definitely a complex beer. And, Ben, you're going to put yourself a little bit more in there. And you are, too? No, I'm not. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can definitely finish that off. But look at all that, all the head on there. I mean, that's, 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 that's. That's a nice looking uh, glass of beer right there, Ben. It is, it's and sexy, uh, for those dude. of us, the fans out there, please uh, get to our Instagram, which is at Thirstand, and let Franny know he must see dazed and confused. He has no excuse not to. He works. He goes home, and he doesn't have the Lakers <laughs> to watch. He doesn't have Major League Baseball or anything else to watch. So please watch Dazed and Confused. I will have to watch Dazed and Confused, Ben, so I can understand a little bit more of your childhood. Not childhood, And you'll but see how I ended up this way. It, <laughs> you'll see how I, why I annoy so many people in California, because that was my upbringing. I, I think that's a little bit of your, uh, the New York in you. <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, but it, it, that was sort of the way that I grew. It's, it's a different, you know, not the most popular thing to say right now, but it was a very, it wasn't affluent, but it was a very... Because we didn't have a lot of money at all, but it was a very cavalier '80s kind of <laughs> lifestyle in high school. Uh, the concern was, where's the next keg coming from? Where's the next beer ball coming from? Where's the next case of beer coming from? Not like, are we going to worry about the problems of the world and global warming and and politics? We did not give a shit about any of that. Uh, in the 80s, it was all about partying and, you know, where you were going to get drunk next. <laughs> uh, so you gave it a, an eight? 
I give an eight. I mean, eight. I mean, it's close to a nine for me. I mean, I, I it's not quite a nine, but it's it's. I would say eight and a half, but eight. I mean, it's definitely it's definitely a beer that I would That's good. I would purchase again. This is this is one of those ones that I would definitely look for on the shelf and not forget about. That is very good. All right, Franny. Anything else to add about our beer of the week? No. All right. What's next up on the big board? Next up on the big board, Ben is our housekeeping to finish up the show. Oh, can you believe it? We finished up a show in person, finally, socially distanced, but nonetheless, we are back in business here. Uh, eight or nine or 10 episodes uh, we were doing remotely over over varying degrees of success Yeah, of those 10 episodes. You know, we had a little bit our of- voice quality got a little bit better, at least for myself. For you, Ben, it's been excellent because, you know, you're here in the old studio. Uh, but for me, you know, being remote, uh, you could definitely hear that I was not here and my voice you could hear sort of disappearing at times, crackling because of the internet connection. But finally, we are here and you can hear us clearly. Yes. And if Jimmy Fallon can pull it off and uh, ESPN <laughs> and all of the late night shows as well as the sports shows can do this uh, from the comfort of their homes, we're happy to be back here. But we were uh, we gave you what we could while we were socially distanced and we're happy to say we did a you know, I think we did a pretty good job of it. Yeah, we did. Yeah, I think so. All right, folks. Since 2018, we have been a show about football, fun, friends, whiskey, and beer reviews. Please go to our website, thirstinggold.buzzbrow.com, or search and or search for Thirsty Gold Podcast on the web and subscribe, rate, and review our show. If you go to our podcast on the web, you can get all the links to the stories we cover, all the booze, the whiskeys, the bourbons, the rise, and the scotches. Uh, you get links to all the podcatchers, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, CastBox, Pandora. Please look for us on Pandora, folks, and you can download the episodes directly from our website or from any of those podcatchers. You can get a link to our email address, podcast thirsting goal at gmail.com you can follow us on my mediocre twitter account at goal thirst and on Franny's amazing instagram account oh. at thirst and and check out all of the pictures the pictures will be coming fast and furious now that we are back in the same studio uh you'll get pictures of all the shots of the week you get pictures of all of the browns that we drink all of the beers that we drink Franny, what do you say to our fans and listeners before we sign off tonight. Uh, ben, I'm so excited to be back with you here in person and seeing your expressions, your happy face, your grimaces when I say something negative about... Actually, I don't say too many negative ben things. We don't, we, don't dis- we don't disagree too often. <laughs> yeah, uh, We should probably. But I'm um, happy to be back. And uh, you know, thank you so very much for ev- to everybody that's listening out there. Yes, and if you want disagreement for disagreement's sake... Uh, you can always tune into the Skip and Shannon show where they will disagree for no good reason. Uh, but thank you all so much for listening and we'll see you next week.